I mean, I was, for sure, that's like a good philosophy. I mean, I, so I'm curious. Like, like you've never hit. It's kind of like you've a never hit the opposite side of that. No, not yet. But let me. I mean, I'm a total noob too. So what do I know? Like, but like the spore thing was. It's totally like show me on the doll where they touched you. Like I was so scarred by the spore <laughs> thing that I'm like, I am doing the 100 okay, fucking okay. 80 degree in, opposite in... thing. Hi, everybody. This is Soren Johnson, and you are listening to Designer Notes, a podcast about why we make games. Today, we are talking to independent game developer Chris Hecker. Chris is the co-founder of the Indie Game Jam, led the development of Spore's procedural animation, and is currently working on the asymmetric psychological shooter Spy Party. Yeah, I mean, we should probably tell the anecdote of like how we met. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> so I had uh, so okay. So it was uh, so. What year would that have been? Two thousand two thousand six. Okay. So no, no, two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. Because we shipped in two thousand eight. Yeah, it was two thousand seven. It was GDC two thousand seven. Okay, um, so I had just given the infamous "We is a piece of shit" rant. Yeah, which went off like gangbusters at GDC. Yeah, and I think I I had interviewed at EA probably a couple of weeks before. Yeah, and I don't think we had met because I interviewed no. with, with probably Will. And, you and I, and, we knew who each other were. Sure, I, I definitely interviewed with Will. I, that's when I first met Hutch. Yeah, um, and like we just clicked immediately in that right. interview, and like yeah. he, like he's you know we're good friends, um, and uh, uh, you know some other people on the team. Yeah, and then so yeah, I knew who you were, but I hadn't met you. Right. So you know, I saw you were you know. Yes, you, were you had emailed me, and I said, oh, after this talk. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so oh, meet me meet me after. My I ran right, so I came to the rant session. Oh, you see, so you saw it. Okay, oh, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it went like off, like it went like game. So my my. So let me be clear. I wrote an article about this in my blog. So if you want to search it, you can do. But like my the, my, the boring academic version of my rant was two things. Um, uh, uh, one, I'm worried that uh, um, that that we is underpowered um, as a computer to allow people developing for it to push game design forward because game design, you know. Computer power matters to doing interesting games. Yeah. So there's that. And two, I'm worried about Nintendo's attitude towards games as art. And I don't mean like capital A art, but I mean like, you know, I'm worried about the like games shouldn't be serious. They should just be fun. Like I, I worry, you know, if you looked, if you compared the way the PlayStation people and the Microsoft people talked about games, there was the fun ones and the ones that were supposed to be emotionally powerful and moving and everything. And right. I worried that Nintendo's corporate messaging was very much in some sense anti-intellectual, anti, you know, like, uh, um, Ironically, the rant session was at the same time that uh, what's his name was giving the Zelda lecture. Uh, right. Who's the Zelda guy? I can't remember. Uh, 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 not Ueda, but uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, so it went off great. I mean, it was funny. It was like this is the famous, infamous. The, the Wii, Wii is, is a piece of shit. Was a quote with, from uh, that. The, uh, a Wii is two game two two, two game cubes duct taped together, which yes. is basically an estimate of how much power it had, right. as opposed to like a you know a PS2 or a Xbox One, which was much faster at the time. Yeah. Um, I used Public Enemy as my like uh, theme. I played music. I, it was like Fear of a Wee Planet instead of Fear of a Black Planet. Mm-hmm. I was like a Photoshop, bad Photoshop. It was just funny and like everybody loved it. I was like the guest ranter from the like it was the second rant session ever, and it was publishers rant. And so I was like the the lone developer like allowed up on stage, that kind of thing. Right. And but what I didn't know or didn't put two and two together was that that was the year they killed E3. So mm-hmm. E3 had died. 
Remember, they, they turned E3 into a private, invite-only mm-hmm. Santa Monica hotel thing, which didn't work, and they eventually yeah. brought E3 back because they realized it was fucking idiotic. But they killed E3, so the game press all came to GDC. Mm-hmm. Like, all the consumer game press. Yeah. GDC had never had press. The GDC was transitioning. Yes. Basically. GDC had basically never had consumer press at it before, and it was always just like, you know, Gama would cover like somebody's lecture. must have been one of the lecture. first years in San Francisco, too, I don't remember. We kind of we bopped back and forth for a couple yeah, of years. Yeah. So yeah, but it, um, so all the E three consumer press came mm. to GDC, and they all came to the rant because mm. everybody hears it's a funny talk, you know, yeah, or yeah. not 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 all of them, but some of them. One of them, <laughs> enough, <laughs> one, uh, one enough people. So somebody from IGN, I think it was, came to the rant, and the headline they pulled out was "Spore Developer." calls Wii a piece of shit. Now, this is right after the Wii had come out and sold, like, a hundred times what people thought mm-hmm. it was going to sell, and it was, like, the number one console yep. and the biggest thing in the world, it was right? Wii Mania. Yeah. Yes. So, Spore developer... <laughs> call Yeah, so... And Spore was the biggest game in the world right now. Yeah. Like, it was the year after... 2005, I guess, was the GDC talk? Yeah. Yeah, so, because it was the second rant session, and the GDC talk was right before the first rant session. So, because Will went straight from the GDC... The it original in 2006... Yeah, I think it was 2006. It was 2006, the second. I, the, because I remember we were finishing up to four. Yeah, it was the second rant. The, it was the second rant, which means it was the year after the GDC. The, so when we say the GDC talk, we mean the Spore announcement. The re- big reveal. The one where people stood up and bowed <laughs> to Will when the planet exploded. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. Like, it was a really well-done demo. Mm-hmm. Like, there was actually this... Uh, there's the Ocean the Quigley, the art director, had it uh, on his wall for a while. Um Strange. That's, that's the only that's the only GC I've missed while being a professional game developer. Wow. So I didn't. I only. I. I right. Like it was so. The project was so exciting. Like I got it just from reading. Yeah. Like just from. I mean, it just. It I've was, never uh, seen yeah. that video. No. To- wow. So there was a there one of the one of the press quotes was this is either the most amazing thing ever or a act of bold chicanery <laughs> and like and Ocean's like yep mostly bold chicanery <laughs> so like because we had hacked that demo yeah, together yeah, yeah. like you know planets never exploded in the final game like there's a whole bunch of stuff that had changed that just yeah. to get a game that always happens like you know I mean um, but anyway so it was a year after that Spore was the biggest thing in the game industry and you know uh, and I was Spore developer calls we a piece of shit the internet exploded well, EA was just had just announced some big thing with Nintendo. The night too. before, EA had had a party where they had announced a co-marketing deal with Nintendo in Japan for yeah. a thing that never never happened before. They had all the EA, the, all the Nintendo executives were there. Yeah. Um, I actually knew. Uh, um, uh, 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 Perrin Kaplan, who was the PR person at, uh, she happened to be at, at Nintendo. Mm. She was on uh, vacation at the time, so I couldn't get a hold of her because I was just like, "What am I supposed to do?" Like, yeah. you and I start talking. Right. This so hadn't we're, happened. We're calmly. Yeah. Well, no. No. no it, nothing happened. Ended. Yeah. 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 The guy was uh, the guy. The IGN person was walking to the press room. Right. Yeah. Right. As we were talking, you and I. I'm interviewing you. Yeah. We're like, just, like yeah, I was like I, trying to figure was, out. Like, should I should I go to Blizzard? Right. Or should I go yeah, to yeah. the sport team? Yeah. Totally. Like, so we're having like, a great talk, and then like I went to the next talk where I was on stage for something. I was like part of a panel or something. And the text messages started coming in from the executive producer Lucy Bradshaw. <laughs> the first one, which said. You calling the Wii a piece of shit on stage is not helpful. helpful. And I'm like, I just shrank down behind the table and started like texting. Never before I had ever run anything by anybody because like it just never mattered before, right? 
And then it errupted and like they defaced the Wikipedia page and you know emailed my wife and like just did the full on internet nonsense. But uh, this is one of these like, and I went silent for a long time. Like like I basically so I was in the middle of negotiating a thing with EA. Um, where I could, allowed me to, so I. This is about the time that I had stopped doing game design on mm. a Spore. You know, right. I'd like I started to do some creature stuff, but we eventually had hired Hutch, and like I had a too ton, too many animation features to do, yep. and so like I couldn't do game design anymore. Yep. Um, and uh, so I felt uh, um, pretty constrained creatively on the design front because I was finally trying to stretch my wings, and then finally got them clipped again. I mean, it was it was my choice. I had to yep. because the animation system was on fire, but like. Um, but so I started negotiating a, uh, a an exemption to my employment agreement that allowed me to work on games in my spare time yeah. and own them still. Like yeah. you can't do that at EA. Yeah. Um, and so it was a year in the making already. And then I did this, and it just went. It disappeared for two years, and I finally got it actually, and that's allowed me to work on Spy Party a little bit while I was still in Spore and like yep. not go insane. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, I just like that stopped like. You know, I was dead to Lucy. Like, you know, we were friends, <laughs> yeah, and I was just—I yeah. like, made her. I almost got the PR people on Spore fired. Like, yeah. Jeff Brown, who was the VP of uh, the Executive Vice President of Communications, called me on my cell phone uh, and is like, "You can't talk to. Here's how you have to say this. You have to apologize." Because I had a lecture the next day. Wow. And I was like, "What am I supposed to do?" I was like crying in my hotel room. Like, yeah. I had—I mean, I had never experienced anything like this before. Yeah. You know, and like. Okay, so you have to give an apology. I'm not going to tell you what to say. And he doesn't say that. He actually, that was very important. He, so he used to be a lobbyist. Like, he knows exactly how wow, you have to nice. run this kind of shit. He was yeah. like, he is a slick motherfucker. I mean, he's smart. And he was like, I'm not going this to say. This is what they pay me for. Electronic Arts is not telling you to apologize. <laughs> for, I mean, it was totally like that. I was like, I mean, they couldn't fire me because they'd be fucked, yeah. right? So, like, I mean, I'm sure they wanted to fire me. Right. I, I, I'm going to assume. Like, first question, okay, who is this guy? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, he's responsible for the entire yeah. first half of the sport. <laughs> like, you know, like, the creature, the, the, the hardest, you know. Like, yeah. they, so, the, I think they were, they were, they were trapped. Yeah. So, they, um, which, I mean, good, good, I guess. I mean, I'm glad I didn't get fired because I wanted to finish the game and everything. And I yeah. didn't mean to make all those people miserable. But, woo, that was insane. Yeah. Um, how did you learn about it? Like, so you left with me. Well, I mean, I read about it. Yeah. Probably. I don't remember, like, if I read about it immediately because yeah, it wasn't yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but I definitely remember it happening. I mean, it's, I think not just, it wasn't just a big moment for you. It was a big moment for a lot of people. Yeah, at yeah. DC because it was like one of those, one of those pivotal moments yeah. of like, um, oh. sort of like the, like, not, I mean, so, the only thing I think compared is like the thing that happened to Adam Orth, you know, like, it's yeah, yeah. like one of the things like, loss of innocence. We gotta, yeah, exactly. Like, I, we can't say the things that we used to say. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like it just doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah. Which is sad. Yeah. Um, I'm much more careful about what I say. Am I still trying to tell the truth? Mm-hmm. Speak my truth or whatever yeah. you say? But like, I don't like, uh, the hyperbole has to be very like very carefully considered yeah. i mean i actually remember there's an incentive for people yes with your words yeah right? yeah no and, and, it's, and it's like i mean so there's two it things depends that, what you're talking about right there's two right? things that happened to me of this ilk there's uh-huh. that one which i clearly did to myself i literally said quote the we is a piece of shit end yeah. quote <laughs> there was nothing untrue in the article yeah. right but then later on i ruined spore which i actually didn't do <laughs> so like these people had created this uh forum thread uh-huh. about in the spore forums about why spore came out the way it did uh-huh. Um, and the cute versus science thing. And they had found some old article for some science magazine I had done. Um, uh, like, it wasn't New Scientist. It was some hipster science, you know, new scientist, new science magazine, you know, whatever. And they had interviewed me and Will and Ocean and the usual suspects. And, uh, 
and I had described the cute versus science team and that I was on the cute team. And all that meant is that I wanted to personify the creatures more yep. and not make it a science game, right? Yep. Um, not, not that I didn't want a hardcore sim or any of that stuff. I wanted all that stuff. I just wanted like an art style that was like a little more, you know, like uh, 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 personified maybe or something, whatever. Um, and so, uh, but they took it to like, okay, this this is why you can't pick up anything with your tail and the blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just like huge. They just took it as far as it went in internet forum conspiracy. And EA didn't do anything about it until it festered for like mm-hmm. 30 pages. And then because it had festered for so long, somebody from the news covered it. Yeah. You know? And they didn't... And then it became a story. And then, and then it became a, a story because once IGN had covered it, then you know, everybody else. else covers it. And it's then... It's so, they... so bizarre because, like, you trace it back to the source. It's no, like, it's insane. You said something about this thing. Yeah, no, no. It's, it doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but also, the article... And I gave, a, I gave a rant about this, actually. Yeah. Which I ran by EAPR. Um, <laughs> but uh, actually, maybe I didn't. I think I said, like, Lucy, trust me, I'm going to be... She's like, okay. But, uh, but, she, but I gave a rant because it was like... The article was so poorly written. It was like... You mean the science article? No. The article on IGN IGN, about me ruining Spore. It was basically, you know, uh, Chris Hacker, you know, uh, dumbed down Spore... Small type says thread on the Spore forums. <laughs> we'll reach out to him to find out. They never tried to contact me. I've had the same cell phone for twenty years. Like I just, no one ever tried to contact me. They just printed this crap from a forum thread. And so Lucy posted a thing. Will posted a thing. But it doesn't. Nothing undoes that stuff. So yeah. to this day, I'm not talking about like five years ago. Yeah. I'm talking about like probably within the past two months a spy party video has come up on gone up on youtube and someone has said oh isn't this the game by that guy who ruined spore like it just that's what happens the stuff sticks yeah and so i wrote this article actually because i was at, i was showing spy party at nottingham game fest or game something in game game uh, uh, they invited me to come to nottingham they have a little you know like a game thing there mm-hmm um, and I had done a lecture and done set up spy party in their like indie game demo thing. And a guy from uh, Eurogamer interviewed me mm-hmm. while I was over there. And we spent an hour and a half talking about this topic about being misrepresented by the press and like understanding that it's a problem because they need clicks and it's an understandable thing. But like I didn't, you know, understanding what I meant versus what I said and whatever. And his headline was Chris Hecker stands by we as a piece of shit comment. <laughs> And I was just like blown away. It's like you can't make this up. Like it's just unbelievable. So that finally made me write about it. I had never written about it before because yeah. I was just like, I'm never talking about this yeah. ever again. And so I wrote up this thing called Me and the Wii, which you can search on on my website. And it just went through this whole thing of like, you know, saying a subtle thing in a hyperbolic. It just you know being misrepresented and what it, what you know. The, the chilling effect that it has and all this stuff. Like, I just went through the whole thing. And here's, I, I actually had the two bullet point, like, all right, here are the two things I was actually saying in the talk. They're not that controversial. You could write an article about them. That'd be great. But yeah. that, that they're not going to get the clicks by writing this article. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've said a lot of public thing, things over the years, yeah, yeah. Being in, especially in the context of the yeah. Sim series. And then eventually just get more well-known as the games. Yeah, yeah. I only say positive things. Yeah. But you could only, the only thing you can infer about me saying it's not saying yeah, yeah. I do not talk well, about Well so to the credit of most game journal to the credit of most <laughs> and game it's, journalists it's unfortunate really yeah, yeah I know it's hugely unfortunate but to the credit of most game journalists when I published the me in the week thing that was finally like all right I'm going to talk about this now after whatever years every game journalist 
I know, you mean, you know, of, know of, forwarded it around, retweeted it, and was like, this should be required reading for anyone who wants to be a game journalist and no, stuff. So, like, good. people know it's a problem, right? Like, it's not like... Um, I mean, it's because of the incentives, you know? Like, yeah. they're there, and they're real, yeah, and yeah. they just, they, they, need to, they need to think about this stuff, right. and, like, I, you know, there's a lot of great game journalists. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, no, I totally. I don't think that game journalism is, 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 is hugely flawed or anything like that. I just, like, I wish it was at a little bit of a higher level, and I understand it's tough out there. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. uh, there's no magazines left to ever Game Informer, which is owned by whoever owns it now, like GameStop or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's brutal out there. Yeah. Um, well. Remember the days of Next Gen <laughs> and Edge? Yeah, yeah. Good magazines. Yeah. Um, all right, so maybe we should talk about Spy Party then. All right, let's do that. Um, all all right, right, so where did you get the idea for Spy Party? Because okay. I'll, say, I'll say up front, like, one of the things I find interesting about Spy Party is it's kind of a truism in the games industry that, like, ideas are a dime a dozen. Right. And it's all about execution. Right. And Spy Party is an interesting exception to that. And I knew that the, the, it's the moment you told it's, me about it. it. I was like, oh, oh, oh right. Hey, that, that's yeah. a good idea. <laughs> right. Wow. I mean, I lucked into it, basically. Like, uh, I, I agree with that. I mean, Spy Party... On the, just on that topic for a second, like Spy Party is interesting because it is an idea hooky kind of game, mm-hmm. um, but also the execution is insanely hard yeah. to do it right. And so people ask me all the time, like you're taking forever on this game. I mean, it's literally been six years. Yeah. Aren't you worried about clones? Because clones are a huge problem, and I'm not just not that worried about clones because no one else is as stupid as I am to like try to do a game with thirty animated custom animated characters and all that. Like I mean, it's just like very. I mean, and, and it's not proven, right? Like no one knows it's whether it's going to work or not. So this is just not going to. You know, the big guy aren't going to do it because it's not proven because right. they're not going to do something crazy and indies can't do this game yeah. you know like without being the guy who wrote the sport I mean you know just, I'm a, I'm a, I was a professional programmer for 25 years before trying to do this so it's not like the kind of thing you can like come out of college and throw up unity and just go do this game that easily right yeah. I mean not that you couldn't do a version I mean there's actually like I actually collect on the FAQ I have links to all people are like aren't you worried about these clones in demakes and you know in games inspired by or games that just came up with the idea themselves and I'm like no I link to them on the FAQ because like they're not really competitive they're just I like want more games about behavior and stuff like that but the bar I'm setting quality wise is just not achievable by yep. most people so I'm not worried about that um, but anyway so so yeah so it's very like uh, you hear the idea and you're like ding no. uh, which is great so the idea actually uh, um, in the way that there are no new, no new ideas so but, but rewind back to 2001 or whatever mm-hmm. Indie Game Jam Zero yeah a guy named Thatcher Ulrich, who used to work at Oddworld uh, and now works at Google, but uh, was in the game industry for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's one of the ones we've lost in that way that they say that everybody leaves after five years, you yeah. know, or whatever. Um, super smart guy. He was he was one of the Indie Game Jam uh, Zero invitee attendees, mm-hmm. and so the theme that time was uh, uh, was hundred thousand guys. And he made a game based on a Ben Bova short story, a science fiction short story called Dueling Machine. Mm-hmm. And he made it um, a networked two-player game, mm-hmm. um, LAN, you know. Um, and there was a city, which in that case was like a bunch of cubes in the in the you know, and some streets and thirty thousand of the most normal-looking doom wads we could get. So we you know we had, we we gathered all these doom wads and ripped them all. Mm-hmm. And some of them had like dudes in suits, and some of them had clowns and like space yeah. monsters, and like we just tried to have a giant directory of content so people could do crazy stuff, right? Um, there were enough like little blobby shapes that a person did it. One person, Charles Bloom, who works at Rad now, did a fluid simulator thing where you know he used them things as you know. So just lots of cool stuff. Um, anyway, he got a bunch of normal-looking people in shirts and you know whatever. 30,000 people milling around the city randomly. Two players, one of which was the hunted and one of which was the hunter. Right. And the hunter had a gun with a single bullet. 
and had a picture of the hunted on their screen. And the huntee hunted had a picture of the hunter on the screen. And the hunter, and this was Mark LeBlanc's idea, um, uh, who he's at Riot now or whatever, but old board yeah. game guy and looking glass guy. Very, yep. you know, he was one of the other invitees. And so this was one of the cool things about the jam early on. It's like all this ideas. Like we had Valve people and looking glass people and like just a whole bunch of cool. I mean, yep. if you would, if I had known you then, you would have totally yep. been there. Oh, I, I definitely, I was, I was kind of the new guy in the industry. And yeah, you yeah. guys were like talking about it. I was like, oh man, <laughs> I should be in California. Like, <laughs> that is still true. I wish you weren't on the other side of the fucking like coast, but or uh, continent. But anyway, um, but yeah, it was like it was the place to be it was yeah. so cool yeah. anyway so there's just all this like you know like i mean it didn't smell that great in the barn by the <laughs> end of the four days but it was awesome and uh and so mark leblanc added this idea of a sonar ping mm-hmm. where you know we had a stereo you know you wear headphones and this hunter can ping and it bounces off the hunty hunted and is stereo localized so mm-hmm. in 3d i mean you know it's it's a stereo panned right so you can tell which direction mm-hmm. and you can you know rotate a little bit and diff um and but the but the but the hunter the hunted can hear the sonar ping too, and it's volume scaled based on how close they are. So you yeah. know when they're getting close, so you know to like blend in and whatever, yeah. or run for it or whatever. Um, and it was awesome. It was, was like the hunty trying to accomplish something. No, yeah, that, just live. It was a game jam. Yeah, yeah, it was a game jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was insanely awesome for a game jam. Yeah, we played yeah. the shit out of it. And in fact, that was the year we invited Scott McCloud of understanding comics fame to the GDC. So we all got to meet him. Some of us knew him already, but like, uh, uh, uh we got to meet him and we, we had a, um, I was on the advisory board then. And I think we had a suite, uh, that we were using for something or other mm-hmm. that we set up a land with this game. Cause we were just like, so proud of this. This game was so cool. Like we just set it up cause it was just fun. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, oh no, we had done Remember that year. Uh, the uh, that was the first experimental gameplay workshop, okay. and we showed uh, we we didn't have that many games, yeah. And but we had done the indie game jam that year. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the reasons we did the EGW is because we had that, the indie game jam, and so we showed a whole bunch of games from it. As like, look, yep. you know, um, there were other games like Harmonix had a game there or whatever. But like yep. a bunch of those indie game jam games influenced other games really early on yep. too. Like, um, uh, so um, uh, so we had machines for playing these games uh, mm-hmm. because we had had to do the EGW so we brought, brought them back to the hotel room and set them up and then we invited friends over to go play these games, some of the games and you know because it's 1v1 LAN uh, you know competitive game it's a great game when you so we were playing Dueling Machine with Scott McCloud and uh, I remember one time there was a TV in that 70s way um, where you it's a you know old hotel that like had a TV that rose up out of like a uh, of a, a cabinet and Scott McCloud was riding it up and was like so, yelling dance it pleasures me <laughs> Dude, like this is random anecdote about me remembering scott mcleod riding this rising tv coming out of a closet like it's the strangest thing wow. but anyway back to uh yeah it was it was it was uh it was the good old days right but um okay so um so dueling machine was this game uh-huh. uh you know the thirty thousand guys it's like they didn't want to use all hundred thousand because there's just too many people in the city uh-huh. or whatever so Fast forward 65, four years um, to 2006-ish time, we uh, had done a bunch of indie game jams in between. I think it was the IGJ 3 or 4. We got EA to license us for free the Sims assets mm-hmm. to use. You know, they, they let us use them, and they were actually going to let us put them online, too. And I yeah. never followed up because I just had so, so much work to get those game jam games up there. So the, this this year's that year's had never actually got up there. The, the one, Dueling Machine is actually up, up online. You can download Dueling right. Machine and play it right now if you want. Right. Um I think it only works on a LAN, or maybe if you can type your, you have to make, put a, just type an IP address in or something. Anyway, but um, uh, 
we are using the Sims assets. And so that means, you know, you're going to have 10 or 20 people on screen or whatever. And people were doing like uh, Chris Butcher was there that year and he did like a high school simulator. You know, okay. it's, it was about people interacting. We mm-hmm. wanted to like, and it was actually a failure as a jam. Like the first year, like hit it out of the park. Like it was yeah. a perfect theme, 100,000 guys. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like, you know, I did a firefighting simulator where 100,000 of the guys were trees, mm-hmm. right? And like firefighting was, you know, fire, forest fires would start. And then we did Angry God Bowling, which was a silly like, you know, smoosh these guys onto the, and like the fluid simulator and dueling machine. That's the perfect kind of thing to hang design ideas off of. Mm-hmm. We did a couple more that were successful. And then we were like, got too big for our britches. And we were like, okay, we're going to rip all the Sims assets from all the expansion packs, have this giant library of like convert all the animations to our animation system, bone, you know, skin characters, render for all that. And we're going to have people do games about people interacting. Like, no one knows how to do games about people interacting <laughs> it's with It's hard like, to make a real yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. Game. So it was a total failure as a game jam in the sense of like, no one. The best game that year, not counting Spy Party, which didn't get done, uh, which I'll tell the story of in a second. The best game that year was a game called Waiting for Godot, where there were two characters, which, what are their names again? I can't remember, uh, uh, the, the, remember yeah, the, the two names. It was a bus stop, a misty uh, thing. Yeah. It was by this artist guy named Ranjit, who is in, in New York, you might know him, uh, but he's uh, Ranjit Bhatnagar, or however you pronounce it. He's a super cool guy. He's always been at all the jams, um, or was. It used a PlayStation controller, and you had to hold all the buttons down. Okay? okay? <laughs> and your hand starts cramping up and like you let it slip and then one of the characters runs off and the other one walks off after them, right? And it's called Waiting for Godot and you just have to hold the buttons oh, down no, until, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's until Godot, and, and he's like, um, does Godot show he, up? He's like, we, we were like, so does Godot ever show up? And he's like, well, I've never seen him. <laughs> okay? And so, <laughs> the largest answer. And so, yes, yeah, so that was the number one and number two about that game and he's like, it just goes to show that if you've got a good license, you don't need gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's totally awesome but so it was a failure of a game jam like nobody got anything that was really like punchy yeah. but in the middle of that so normally I don't get to do anything at jams because I'm very ADD I don't work in that environment very well anyway and I'm organizing them mm-hmm. um, and so running errands and stuff but I'm getting network set up but that year the other helpers decided I'm going to, they're going to make it so they're going to make space for me to try to do a game. Yeah. Okay. And so they kept, you know, I'd be like trying to work on a game and then I'd hear somebody having a problem. I'd be like, well, the solution to that, and they're like, shut up, we'll figure it out. Go back to your work. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, it didn't work very well for me, but, um, what happened was I was like, okay, now I got to come up with a game design idea. And, uh, I was like, well, I really love Dueling Machine. And so, like, you know, it's a fucking game jam, and I'm already at two days into it because I had to set up the network and stuff. So I've got two days to do a game, like, in a four-day game jam. Like, what am I going to do? Oh, Dueling Machine was awesome. I wonder what the more intimate version of that. Because now, I, instead of 30,000, I've got 30 yep. guys. And it's like, oh, what's the more intimate version of that? All right, well, they need to be in a room to keep them, you know, because you can't do a city. Yeah. They're in a room, and you're trying to figure out, you know. So in the other one, you knew which character were, which you were looking for, which yep. is clearly not going to work yep. in, with only 30 people. Um which is ironic, actually, because all the flaws in all of the other Spy Party-esque games that are games of Assassin, like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and the ship, is you know who you're looking for. So mm-hmm. that's actually a design topic we could talk about. Like, I, you could fix those games and make them... I mean, they're cool games. They're fun. I like yeah. the ship a lot and, like, whatever. But they have this, like... Um, that like makes it a very different type of game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's missing. They can't go that deep because it's not asymmetric and because you know who you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And they have to obfuscate. Like, uh, Assassin's Creed does it by instancing the model. So now there's 30 Plague Doctors... Instead of just one, mm-hmm. so it makes it it's this weird vibe of now oh, there's a cr- gr- bunch of plague doctors walking around. Instead of you know which one is it? It's, I know it's one of them or whatever. And they have a radar and all this other stuff they have to do because they try and make it too big. Anyway, a room 
a bunch of people milling around. Okay, so you don't know who you're looking for, and so you're looking for clues. Oh, that person's a spy trying to accomplish missions. And then I just tell you that that's the game, right? You're looking outside as a sniper, mm-hmm. and like the game designs itself at that point. I mean, it's not that I haven't done anything else, but like that's like as you said. That hook right there, that elevator pitch is just, man, I mean, you can come up with yep. a zillion you things from that it, point. Yeah. And so I didn't get it working, thank God, because what tends to happen with Game Jam games is you kind of get it working and you're like, ah, oh, that was cool, and then you leave it, right? Yeah. And so what happened was I got the people milling around in the room, barely, mm-hmm. um, and but I didn't even get a, like, okay, you can control one of them or anything. Um, but I was like, oh, this, it looks interesting to have all these people in this room, but uh, i got to clean up this game jam, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't think about it for another year or two. But then it kind of, like, started percolating back, percolating back. I was like, oh, that was a cool idea. There's something here, you know, mm-hmm. like... And it was called Sniper Party at the time, okay? <laughs> Which is totally the wrong name, right? Like, it doesn't... It emphasizes the I wrong thing. you didn't think about spies. Yeah. You just thought about the sniper. Yeah, you're the sniper, right? I mean, one of the... You know... Um, Uh, but sniper party makes it sound like they're all snipers at the party and whatever and so it's a way better name to call it spy party but it took me a couple years to figure that out and so um, because it was called sniper party John Blow and I started doing work days once I got the IP agreement exemption signed with EA John Blow and I started doing uh, work day Mm -hmm. you know work evening kind of meetups you know in the weekends and stuff we started working on our games and I was like I'm gonna give this game a shot I'm gonna at least get a version of it together that you could see whether it's going to work, right? Um, and uh, uh, um, and I already had all these theories about depth versus accessibility never, or later now, you know, and everything, mm-hmm. depth versus accessibility later. And so he was working on The Witness, and which he knew it was going to be called The Witness. It was like, you know, it was kind of the island exploration. It was still, he didn't have quite have the panel puzzle thing worked out yet, but mm-hmm. it was like a, he was going to do this, you know, mist-esque, hardcore John Blow puzzle game. And so we called them snitness meetings because it was sniper party and the witness. Mm-hmm. So we did these things for like a year where we got our games running. And it was so the opposite of Spore that it was so serendipitously the opposite of the way Spore worked that I can't actually take credit for it. It's just got to be luck. Like there's no way I was this good. Because what happened was, so I told this idea to Will during Spore. Yeah. I was like, I got this cool idea for a game. What do you think? And he's like, oh, you're going to be able to tell who the snuff spy is immediately. Mm-hmm. in that Will right way of already knowing everything about everything, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, he's just awesome. But I was like, well, the game's well, not going to work. reason? It's just because computers can't pretend can't like they're it. humans, yeah, and, like, okay. humans can't pretend like they It's just, like, too obvious. Like, the human well, people, is... The human, I believe that the computer can't behave like a human, but the human could but behave like a computer. That's he, what he meant was the human. humans are so good at pattern matching uh, that you'll be able to see it immediately. Yeah, sure, okay. Okay. Fair enough. So, um... So the very first thing I decided to do was let's let's prove or disprove that idea because if, if that's true I'm fucked, mm-hmm. right? I can make it hard. I can make it. I can always make it easier for this sniper to see who the spy is by making the movement more, you know, whatever or the tells bigger. But if the spy is trivial to tell who it is, even in it's harder to make that more subtle, right? Like I mean, there's some things you can do, like click mm-hmm. to move and like you know, like but but it's like you really want to be on the other side of that of making you know having the game too hard and then you know dialing back. So the first thing I did was I just set you up a the game too hard for the spy. This is what you're sort of what you're saying. You want the game to be too hard for the sniper. Too hard for the sniper. Because it's easier to tune the that way. Okay. It's easier to tune easier towards the sniper. You just make the tells bigger. Right. Well, right? But so what you said earlier was like by click to move means like like let's say the it AI algorithm took over movement from the player right, and exactly. you were actually driving it. Yeah, then it eliminates then pathing tells and stuff. Super hard for the sniper. Well, well you don't know because we didn't have the game yet. 
Well, that's the but thought. Theoretically, right? yeah, yeah, that's I mean, the, that makes sense. Yes, the, there's some things you can do there, but you really want to be able to go the other way because you've got so a lot you, more tuning. So you, you, your aim initially was try to make the aim very hard for the sniper. Yeah, my aim was just to see if you could even tell who it was if yeah. you were moving around, right? And yeah. so what I did is I hooked up one character to like WASD or whatever, mm. and one of the characters of the party. Everybody else is just kind of walking to a random spot with another person. And I think they were playing the like bend them over and kiss them animation mm. from the. Remember, it's all Sims characters yeah, at this yeah. point, um, and. Uh, uh, and I just frapsed me walking around the party from above, even. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even through the windows or whatever. Um, me walking around the party while other people were also walking around the party. Mm-hmm. And you had you could not tell at all. Like, I was direct control, too. It yep. wasn't even clicked to move. Like, you could not... There was no way you could tell. I mean, you could probably tell if you, like, I'm going to watch this person, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to replay the video yep, and watch yep, this yep. person, but it was but like... in yeah, real time. Yeah, no, there's just... You're, so, you were snowed under with information. Yeah. So it was exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, Will's wrong. This is going to work. Yeah. Um, which was awesome, because it would have been a short... Uh, yeah, a short trip. Um, so, started working on the game, and it's this crazy thing where... Uh, I mean, it wasn't a fun game or anything yet, but it was like, there was nothing there. But it was like, okay, this I think I. Te- so, first of all, I tested the core mechanic, yes. and it was kind of interesting actually to look at it too, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, um, so I was like, all right, let's try this. And so I started getting it networked. So you could do the same thing you did on Civ, right? And I think I remember you talking about that as like, you know, instead of trying to write an AI for some insane unknown thing, it's like, right, just get, just it, get it. it working on the network first, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, you know, put in the sniper shot and like you know, you know the, the the various mechanics and put in some missions, right? I think there were two or three missions, mm-hmm. and um, I so that was like I got laid off. So I went full time on it when I got laid off at the end of August in two thousand nine. Okay. So after Spore, the quick summary of the end of Spore is Spore shift. I told him I wasn't going to work on another game, but I would work on tech. Yeah. Because it was just too painful creatively. Yeah. So I did asymmetry in the editor, which yep, made yep. the creatures even more crazy, yep, right? Yep. Dan, Dan Moskowitz and I did this, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was going to work on Sporepedia search, because like Flickr could search 50 billion photos in like 0. 0.2 seconds, and it took us like 30 seconds to search a way yeah. smaller number. So I was like, oh, this will be really, you know, Sporepedia will be really cool once you can like mm-hmm. just flow through the data, right? Um, so I actually started downloads from the server, mm-hmm. these gig, multi, you know, uh, terabyte even downloads from the server to try and like get a data set to work on and they bought hard drives and everything and they laid me off when you know they downsized some yep. stuff and I was like I would have laid myself off too I didn't know there was, there was no uh, hard yep. feelings there at all I mean if you tell them you're not going to work on a game games are how they make money like <laughs> right, duh yeah. right I was expensive so um, so that no hard feelings and it was like kind of like nice because I was telling myself, so this is 2009 mm-hmm. fall. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to quit in January and go full time on Spy Party. Yeah. Would I have quit in January? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was making a lot of money. It's, I was like, you know, the office, like, I l- live four blocks from that office. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's not like bad problems or anything. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. cool people. It's like, like yep, yep. who knows what would have happened in that universe, right? Yep, so yep. they, the kick to the butt. Out well, the I mean, very similar situation for me and Zynga. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Like, I yeah. Mean, I'm very lucky that they just shut down and made yeah. the decision super easy for me. Yeah. Them. Exactly. You know, so like the kick to the butt really helped. I mean, yep. it's not, yeah. So, um, so I'm glad that happened. I mean, uh, yeah, so that was the so I started full time on it right then, mm-hmm. you know, basically September 2009, and I remember I actually remember it as a day in February, but it turns out it was like January 27th because I went back and I keep notebooks, yep. like daily notebooks of what's going on and like thoughts and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, I mean, there's one sitting right here, right? So this one, this one uh, 
is like started the seventh, uh, the twenty third of this July, and like uh, you know, I just this is what I do. That's how I like. In fact, Eric Todd, who was the one of the DDs on Spore, is the one who told me to keep a notebook because I used to be. I'm a, you know I'm kind of interruptive and like talk a lot, but like yeah. I was really horrible early on in Spore, <laughs> and he's like, we he's like. I was like, I'm just, I, I realized I, part of it was I just thought I was going to forget what I was going to say, so I just interrupted whoever. So I was like, just write down what you're going to say, yep. notes, and then you won't forget it. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And then I just started like, I had always taken big math notes, but like this allowed me to like, so it's a great, it's a great thing. I love it. Right. Um, anyway, so I had notebook and I had a play test with Slim, Steve mm-hmm. Lim, who works at Riot, and yep. Vu, and Thomas Vu, who also works at Riot. These are, these are competitive these are game sp- players. Yeah, and they're Spore, they were Spore people. Right. They were still at Maxis. Yep. Working on Dark Sport at the time. But also, like, Slim and I are big Counter-Strike people yeah. back in the day. And Vu loved... Uh, Law was out at this point, yeah. I think, or just They're, now coming out. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and Bowie, Tom Bowie, who works at Valve now. I had them over at lunch mm-hmm. um, for a play test. And uh, to just play this new thing I was kind of working on. And it was not fun yet. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then, that night, I, ha- I was going to John Simino. What uh, was the problem with it? Why well, just wait. It just wasn't. It hadn't come together yet, right? Yeah, okay. So, so John Simino, uh, who's the artist on Spore now, yeah. on, on Spy Party now, but was an animator on Spore, mm-hmm. um, shared an apartment with um, Ian Hetu, who's a designer yep. on the uh, mm-hmm. designer at EA, and uh, um, and Laura McHugh, who's his wife now, and but uh, was his girlfriend at the time, and is now uh, doing a startup company doing mobile stuff. Yep. Um, but it's another game designer who was on Spore, mm-hmm. our, ga- our game pro- programmer who was on Spore. Yep. I was going to their house for a playtest of this weird thing I was working on. Oh, and Paul Sadasani was going to be there, who's at Riot, like yep. another um, person. I was going to their house for a playtest that night, I knew. But I, I had, like, you know, Vu and Slim and, and Bowie over for lunch, and then I was going to go later for a playtest. At lunch, we played it for a little while, talked about it. They gave me a couple pieces of advice, like, I think it needs a timer. And, yeah, it should, like, you know, when you shoot, this should happen, or, like, whatever. And we were just like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, I can probably throw that in. And, like, it was... Not fun at lunch, and it was fucking amazing at dinner. Mm-hmm. It made no. I, it was just because like of... just the timer and the like a couple changes to the way the missions were. The timer meaning that like, like at a countdown some point timer. The, like the spy. Yes, the spy the loses spy, out of timeout. The spy just couldn't play the game as long as right. You just can't wait. Yeah, which right? makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, did, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's like you don't think of those things as like completely changing everything. No, but no, like no. those ideas that seem obvious. Yeah, like, yeah, now, yeah. Like that must have been in the original idea. Right, but, it but looked... no, yeah, yeah. It's, you just wait them out, right? And like. Um, so the timer, and I think there was, like, maybe no partial credit for I can't remember. I, I'd have to go look at my notes exactly sure. what the thing is. I want to do a blog post about it, because it's just such a crazy thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not actually exaggerating. Like, so Paul and Ian became the elite playtesters yeah. during close, during, pri- not even close beta, <laughs> like, during whatever you call <laughs> it when you invite is. your friends over. Yeah. Um, and they had played 10 hours of the game mm-hmm. by the end. By the time I was about to start inviting people from the internet in, they had played 10 hours of an indie game, mm-hmm. which is insane. Like, that's a lot of playtesting for busy professional friends. To play. Yeah. So they were, like, really good at the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, uh, which obviously is going to contrast. Did they the have preferences? Yes. In fact, they were, uh, uh, Paul, Paul played Spy and Ian played Sniper, hmm. which yeah. doesn't actually happen that much. There's one guy who plays Sniper only right now. Sure. Um, but their 10 hours, like, they were the best. Like, I, they were, they were, you know, I was better than them, but barely, you know, or whatever. Like, um, I mean, now there's people with 650 hours in the game. Yeah, sure. Like, it's like they're, it's a joke what we were doing back then. But, like, now, but, like, but that, at that time, they were the elite playtesters. But anyway, so... The craziest thing is, like, the lunch, it was not fun. Mm-hmm. I make these few changes. The biggest one I remember being the timer and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some mission changes a little bit. 
And at dinner, like, we just, they didn't stop playing. Like, it was like 1.30, and everyone yeah. was like, we fucking have to go to work tomorrow. Like, <laughs> stop playing the video game, you yeah. know? Which is just crazy. Like, it just doesn't work like that. I mean, it's so... It was as if, like, you know, a higher power was like, all right, we know you got fucked on Spore. Yeah. You know, here, we're going to give you one. Yeah. Um, so, so, in a sense, this is, like, the first time this has happened to you. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, I like, uh, the, the, there were little moments of coolness with little stuff I had sure. done or whatever, like the, some prototypes on Spore I did that were really interesting about creature game fighting yep. and stuff like that. But, like, no, never a, like, oh, man, there's a, I mean... I don't think I knew the word esport at the time or, you know, anything yeah. like that, but it was clear the game just had a phase shift. Yep. You know, and now all of a sudden it was a video game. Yep. Um, I don't know, have you had something like that happen? Yeah. I mean with, with, with off world, for sure. Yeah. I mean with Civ it's so hard to define because like there were so many like parameters in place before like I started the game. Like, right. You know, like Civ had never really been a hardcore multiplayer game. So it was neat to build Civ for and, like, that moment when, like, okay, now now this is fun just by itself as a multiplayer game. Right. That was pretty cool. And that, I think that made the difference there was switching to teams. Hmm. Like, having to be a team. Because before, like, the paradigm was always, like, every Civ is out for themselves. It's a giant free-for-all. And that's just a mess, right? Right. And then when we changed, okay, now it's three-on-three. Three, we're all helping each other out. And, like, maybe we're, like, if I build a wonder, it helps you out. And we're contributing to the same techs and blah, blah, blah. And then it was, like, like boom. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, yeah. whoa, that, that's, that's totally So it, it actually makes me wonder if it's, like... You know, there's this, I, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this truism, but like, uh, you know, a- aphorism, truism, whether it's true or not, it's unclear. But like this this thing that people say, which is you always wait too long to fire somebody. Sure. Have you heard that yeah. before? Like, oh, yeah, 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 there's this thing of like, you've got employees. By the time you get to fire them, like, Yeah, obviously. it's like you just should have fired them a long time ago. Like yeah. people, you, you know, people are people and like, it's not that they were a bad person, but they're just like the wrong fit or yeah. whatever. And you can, you just can't save, you can't save situations sometimes. And you just always wait too long because who wants to fire somebody, right? That's yep. just a terrible thing. Um, and so... I just wonder, and so this is just my experience so far, and that was true for the one time I've ever fired anybody, because I very very rarely even had anybody work for me, but it was like mm-hmm. way back in the 90s, like, I had waited too long, so I was like, oh yeah, this is running true. And so in that way, that's a pat little statement that probably has a little bit of truth to it, like, I just wonder if, like, this is what happens with good games. Mm-hmm. Like, they just get fun early. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that's... They, yeah. I mean, they, they have to, right? Yeah. Um, so with Pirates, yeah. um, the, the, the remake... Mm-hmm. Uh, which happened in 2000, what was, it was released in 2004, so we were talking 2002, 2003, 2004. That was a project that struggled with Infraxis for a long, long time. Right. Um, they had other people working on it than Sid. Sid was working on Sim Golf. Um, and uh, they were trying to, you know, there's like, okay, we're going to remake this classic. And Pirates is a classic. Yeah. Like, it, it, if I had to pick one game, like, best game made of all time, especially in the context of the time, right. Pirates for sure. Wow. Um, so they're going to remake this this classic, yeah. right? Um, and you know, struggled for just a long time. They were just had a hard time figuring out to get the right, like, what's the feel of the game? And what does it mean to make it modern? And like, um, it, it just wasn't coming together. Yeah, yeah. And then there was this um, July Fourth weekend, I think it was July Fourth. Yeah, where basically um, Sid hadn't really been involved, but everyone was out of the office, yeah. and Sid went in and he just pro he just he took the ship model, yeah. and the ocean, yeah. And he got like um, um, a controller, yeah. Uh, I think maybe it was keyboard. But anyway, he just he took he took those pieces, yeah. And he made a little twitchy uh, ship combat game yeah. where you're just sailing around and you can shoot cannonballs yeah. 
And they were like, each of the cannonballs was individual, right? right? So they each had their own arc, and they wouldn't shoot perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you would hit the ship, and like it might hit a sail or yep. hit the side, so yeah, it would yeah. have kind of like different effects. Right. And like it had some funny little touches, like yeah, little yeah. guys would fly off, and you could like pick them up as you right. went through them. Stuff that you would never put in unless you knew that that actually really does matter. Right? Yeah, yeah. It just it, you know, he like you know, a mature he, prototyping person. Right? Yeah. yeah, someone who knows what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we all came in on Tuesday, and like said in his understated way, it was like, hey, there's this thing on my user drive. You should yeah. all like try. Out and like we went up there and it was like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> like there's this, there's this totally fun like you know ship battle game here. Right. Like that was like the beginning of like the pirates that worked. Right. Of the remake, which was a very good, a very good. Remake. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Like, did some really cool stuff and like. So is the lesson there like? Always just kill it early if it's not coming together, or try completely different. Like so, Blizzard yeah, has this thing. It's a hard. So we used to talk about question. the Blizzard restart thing. You know mm-hmm. about this, right? Like so, what Blizzard, Blizzard does not prototype. Okay. They just start the fucking project, yeah. and if it's not working, they just kill the project, move the team off, and start it again with another team or the same team. Or just like they just wipe that and just start over. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the, the this is the myth of what how it works. I mean, sure. I'm sure it's a little more complicated than this and whatever. Yeah. But like, and so we were oftentimes like, man, you just need to restart, like mm-hmm. spore, like you know. And I talked to Rob about this, but by this point, he was on the board. Yeah. And he was like, we well, you know. You have to have the right kind of team to do this restart thing. So, like, you have to have. Not every team can restart the game and get a new game that's not that's mm-hmm. different and feels good and stuff. And it's not an insult to the team necessarily. It's just like you know, some people have different skill sets. But like, it's kind of like, the, like you you know, it's not that you should kill the game, shelve it, and never touch it again. But you can just have Sid come in for the weekend, yeah. or just have some state change that happens. That like, I don't know. So it just. I guess I haven't in my very narrow experience. Like, I just haven't like the games that have really. I think you have worked. to be able to judge for yourself whether the game should be fun at this point, Hmm. right? So for Pirates, Pirates is a game with a bunch of minigames. Right. So he needed to, like, make one minigame that was fun. And it wasn't just, like, okay... Well, it's going to be all a game about ship battles, right? It's not. It's like, no. okay, this is the tone of the game. Right. There is some twitch. There's a little bit of comedy. And the pacing of these things are short. Right. right? Now, so, so now we have, like, kind of, like, a template to follow. Yeah, yeah. And we have, like, a neat example, right? Right. With Spy Party, right, like... You have to be able to, like, the mind games have to be there. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know, like, you need to get to that point. And the question is, like, how long do you reasonably think it takes to get there? With Civ, right, like, it wasn't right away. Right. Like, I needed some time, like, well, I'm going to need the tiles, I'm going to generate some terrain, right. and I'm going to have to have units, I'm going to have to have a combat system, I'm going to have a research thing, I'm going to have to have cities, and I'm going to have to build yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, Like, it's going to take time. So, like, I couldn't have been, like... Three weeks in, like, this is not fun. Right. Let's toss this out the window, yeah, yeah. right? Like, so, you know, you have to have some way of gauging how long it should take to get to the fun. But, but like, absolutely, like, you get to that point and it's not fun. You like, start questioning things. Yeah, for sure. Because, like, the rock climbing game should have been fun earlier, mm, I realize, yeah. in retrospect. And any of those spore, and this, but spore, I guess, is closer to the pirates example you just gave. Mm. Any of those spore levels had better, yeah. should have been fun a to be long fucking time before that. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, so now it's like, I don't know, for my next game, do I just, like, throw it away if it's not working immediately? I don't know. Like, I, like, well, like I said, yes, it's the yeah. context of, like, how, yeah. what are you building? How big is the game? Yeah. And so just be careful. If, you, if you're if you building a big game... It's easy to talk yourself into, like, maybe it shouldn't be fun quite yet. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. So, but with Spy Party, I just lucked out. I mean, I think that, like, you know, there's, there's kind of these, like... Um, I mean, I, I firmly believe in the harder I work, the luckier I get. Franklin attributed quote, Ben Franklin attributed quote. But like, it, like, there's a huge amount of fucking luck in this. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I don't think 
I was not a good enough designer to have designed the spy party that came out of the spy party design process. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I'm doing a good job shepherding it and yeah. listening to the game and double and and going with the strengths and eliminating the weaknesses and doing all these things. Yeah. But well, you found fertile territory. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And so that's actually a perfect example of the thing John and I talk about, like when we were doing these meetings or you know these work days for the witness and spy party, where it's like he had this theory of like. Um, I mean, both fertile territory as a, as a, as a, as a quote, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the other, another analogy he used was like, you, there's a thread hanging out of the sweater or whatever, and you start pulling the thread and you can kind of tell pretty quick whether the thread's just going to kind of, and it's just a little snippet of thread or, oh shit, the whole sweater is going to come undone if I keep pulling this thread. Like, mm. like how deep does it, does the rabbit hole go or whatever to use the dumb matrix quote. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think that like knowing, um, or having a feeling for that is super important. So, I mean, I lucked out big time, but I think I, f- I feel like hopefully I've done a good job of like doing the best I can with the luck. Yeah. So yeah, so it got, it got, it got fun. I, I, I always somehow remembered it as a day in February, but it's apparently it was like January 27th. Cause I went and looked it up the other day. Sure. Um, uh, and then I just started like, you know, going with the, like, listening to the game and what was actually working and like what was not. And like, you know, just kind of going down that trail. And I started to build these really big plans of like, mm. Oh, this could be really deep. And you, you put it up on... You, you said you, like, after te- they played 10 hours, you put it, did you just put it up on the... No, no, no. So what happened is it took a long time to play 10 hours of a game okay. when you have to get meetings every week yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah, like sure. that. So, like, that, the, I just meant that they were very good. Yeah, like, yeah, they were, you know... So, and then I was, like, always, like, kind of into this, like... So, I, you know, the, the early access thing, mm-hmm. I was calling it early access before Steam early access was there, but it was like, kind of in the zeitgeist. Like, you know, yeah. Minecraft had been doing it yeah, and, like, you know... And... Yeah, or Cortex uh, Command was the original, one of the original yep. ones that started charging for it. Um, well, Spelunky was free. It was more like there was a model which was like throw the free game up there right, and then make the, maybe make the HD version later but like Cortex Command actually started charging and Minecraft followed that model according mm-hmm. to Marcus when I asked him like I said what, what do you call this model and he's like I call it the Cortex Command model <laughs> right <laughs> this is after I mean, like be scalable yeah. this is this is while we're yeah yeah but um uh uh, um, and Dan Tabar was in the off, uh, in the audience when I was interviewing Marcus, <laughs> so I bet he that felt interesting for him. But um, the uh, <laughs> I want my royalty. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he gets a royalty, then Zach Barth certainly gets a royalty. <laughs> Holy Jeez. cow! Um, uh, yeah, uh, he won't get involved in that. That's right? not how it works. I mean, Zach to Zach's credit, everything I've ever read is very gracious. He's like fine. he, he yeah, just didn't yeah. do anything. I mean, he didn't do anything with it, and Marcus yep. did, and like that's just how it that's goes, it. right? Yep, yep. Um, uh, but wow, holy cow! <laughs> I, I don't know how I would feel if I was there. so. Anyone who doesn't know, Zach made Infiniminer, which Minecraft was an Infiniminer clone in the early days. Yep, yep. And it's just like, whoa, man. Yep. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I started making plans to do uh, an early access thing. I took it to PAX in 2010, so that would have been that year. That was Andy and I, Andy Schatz, who did who was working on Monaco, which yep. had won the IGF and was another big AAA indie game yep. at the time that was in development since shipped, um, like every other game, that was, <laughs> except for The Witness. And <laughs> and John's going to ship before me. Uh, um, but uh, actually, Magna Curry is still not out either, so it was, it was getting going. Hey, you've shipped. Well... depends on how you I mean I have taken money from people that's true I'm very proud of how the game is coming out and like so in some sense I did ship first but not really Um, but anyway so uh, Andy and I had this plan we were like started talking um, 
Because there were not that many AAA indie game developers at the time. Like, this is right post-2008, which was the Geometry Wars Braid, yep. you know, whatever. Um, Castle Crashers yep. year, where it's like, whoa, this indie thing is World big. Yep. And, yeah, World of Goo. Um, this is really working, and, like, yep. this is the time to go big with yep. these games. Um, uh, not only do you outrun the cloners if you go big, mm-hmm. but, like, uh, you know, there's just... there's a this is the t- People can't make these... Most most indies don't have the production wherewithal to make these games. Yep. The designs aren't there, you know, whatever. It's like, so these are, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a rarefied atmosphere here if you can make one of these games right right um nowadays there's a zillion of them um uh, uh which is good for games but not good for any individual developer <laughs> um but uh, uh so it was like andy and i were like let's do packs right and so let's get a 10 by 20 and split it and john was like okay i'm in and i'm gonna hide the witness in there right oh yeah right I'm talking about so that. he uh theoretically we were supposed to all pay a third but i never asked for money from them and andy mentioned all the tvs and we're hoping it all kind of came out we never sure. did the account and i never asked for the money so like we have no idea what happened to them. john didn't pay anything um <laughs> but uh just because we're all so incompetent on the, on the business side that we never actually like settled up the books yeah. but uh but so we got this 10 by 20 back in when you could actually get Booths that packs, yeah. right? And uh, um, actually, I came down for Comic Con that year. Never had been having been to Comic Con, but because Andy lived in San Diego and we needed to plan our booth, so I was like, "Oh, well, I'll come down. I'll bring Clem, my daughter, to Comic Con. We'll like walk around Comic Con and you know go to the zoo with Andy and like his girlfriend at the time or wife now." Tierney and like you know plan our booth because we had no idea how to bo- do a booth. Yep. There was no like how to do your indie game booth back then, and so we like made this elaborate plan and like oh, here's where the couch is going to be and on graph paper and we were just like planning it out. We had insurance for the thing and all the stuff you don't do nowadays because it's, like you just kind of get the booth and like throw your stuff in there. Um, now that you know how it works, but um, so uh, so yeah, so we did this booth and like I had um, Tom Bowie who's the guy who now, by that point worked at Valve and Ian uh, who was just taking a little vacation to. Uh, who was one of the elite playtesters came and like we had this game and we got some press. Um, I had shown oh and I had also shown it at the EGW, mm-hmm. um, and then done uh, um, uh, oh and I had done a little press thing at GDC that year. Mm-hmm. Um, after since it was fun, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I was like, all right, let's start showing people this, you know. And I took it to an indie game meetup kind of thing, and everyone played it all night long at this bar. It was just like I mean, it just people loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, it worked. It basically was like I say the idea of there's a spy at a party trying to hide in plain sight, and there's a sniper outside trying to figure out who it is, and it like played exactly like that. Yeah. Like it felt like a spy game in the way that like you know, uh, GoldenEye does. You know, shooter oriented and racing car oriented ones don't. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the espionage part of that, right? Yeah. And so, uh, so it was just it was great. Um, uh, took a packs, um, so it had a bunch of press by that point, so people knew about it a little bit. Because back then it was a lot easier to get press for indie games too, and. Um, Took it to PAX. We had a big line around the booth. Only had one station. And I was looking across the way at the dust-off booth. They had this corner 10 by 10. I was like, the next year I'm going to be there. <laughs> and so I got that booth, and that's where I've been ever since. And now the behemoth has since metastasized all around me. So I'm in the warm embrace of the behemoth. <laughs> it's a very safe place to be. They're super awesome people, and they're yep. like, they take care of me. Um, and so, yeah, I've had a great time at PAX. People line up to, to play it and everything. And I just, that's how, I, for a long time, I was like getting playtest data from that but now I've got had so many new people play it that I don't get that much for it's more about them playing it than it is about data or anything like that I get data from the online games from the elite players but so basically it was like all right I'm going to do an early access beta I'm going to first start taking uh, when, when when was this yeah let's see I'd have to figure out I think I started taking email addresses in 2000 either 2010 or 2011 I can't remember if it was before or after the first packs right 
that was really nerve wracking, even just to get the thing to take the email addresses up. Cause you know, like 20,000 people signed up in the first, you know, 5,000 people signed up in the first 24, 20, you know, whatever. It was like a big spike. So I load tested it. And I'm very nervous about this kind of stuff. I'm like worried all yeah. the time about like, I'm going to start this thing. It was just the email addresses. And now I'm like, why wouldn't I just put this form up and whatever load test a little bit. But, um, now I worry about bigger things, but I worry about the same amount. I have a constant amount of, as we, as you and I have talked about a ton and well, I'm sure we'll talk about in a second here. Like I'm worried about going on steam early access now, which is the next big thing. But so I, I worried about taking the email addresses because mm. like scalability of doing that. And then I started, started, I worried and put off and tried to make it perfect. Uh, the, um, uh, the the uh, inviting blocks of those people, so doing small amounts, and I, so I had to get payments set up because I did all this myself. I didn't, I wasn't on Steam. There was no Steam early access at the time, right? And so there was no humble widget. There was no nothing. I wrote all this back end and PayPal transaction shit, shit and whatever. Um, started sending invites. Uh, eventually uh, opened the invites so you can just sign up, and that's where we are now. And now I'm going to go on Steam Early Access, hopefully sometime, you know, this year. It's 2015 now. I Hopefully by the end of this year. Yep. Um, and that's super nerve-wracking, which we can talk about, because um, I'm worried about the community and everything. I've, may, I've been very slow to, like, grow things because... I really want this community to be different from most competitive online multiplayer games, which I want it to be a supportive community where people mentor other people. And I've just tried to set a really good example and it's worked perfectly so far. So I'm worried about screwing it up by going too big, too fast, but you got to kind of like, you got to do jump it at some point. Yeah. 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 I mean, Dan Paladin, I was talking to you about my fears this time. Dan Paladin's one of the founders of the behemoth and is mm. like a very practical, awesome guy. Yeah. And he was like, "It's not like you have a choice. Yeah. Like you're going to go on Steam. You might as well, like it's, you're not going to not go on Steam." Yeah, yeah. Which you could reply, "Well, Minecraft's not on Steam. But you can't use Minecraft as an example of anything. It's like using Doom as an example in yeah. 1995. You're like, this is all in all, you know." Yeah. I mean, to me, basically, the, the question is, do you know? Do you do you know? Do you need to go up on Steam? Like, is there something that you are at risk not knowing about your game now? No, it's more of a financial thing in the sense that, like, it's a fan. It, Saying it's a financial thing is slightly misleading because it's not like I need the money in the sense that like I could get like I so I so the current sales on I did a talk about this at Indicate last year. The current sales are not paying for the burn rate of the artist who right. I pay I a triple A indie salary. Yep. Um our triple A game industry salary mm-hmm. or close to it. Um so the current sales on the website are mo- usually not paying for it, or on average not paying for uh, him or me to live. Um, so I need to increase the sales, and there's a bunch of stuff I can do to increase the sales, hopefully on the website, you know, sales. Um, yeah. But the fastest path to doing that is to go on Steam Early Access. Um, I could get more money from various people, like, you know, various loans or investments or things like that, but... Like, I, don't, I really don't like taking that kind of money. Like, I could, if it was, a, if, if, if Steam Early Access didn't exist, I would just get some more money, you know, yeah. from, you know, rich friends from Microsoft or investors or Indie Fund or something like that, right? right. Um, family, whatever, wherever I could scrape it together. Um, but I'm kind of using, because I need to basically get pushed off the diving board every time mm-hmm. I do one of these things, I'm kind of using... This is the, the fact that my savings are starting to dwindle. So I basically, like, you know, I worked at Microsoft 93 to 96 when the stock used to go really high. So I didn't stay, five years was the vest, full vest. Mm-hmm. So if I had stayed five years, I would have been, you know, had a million dollars, but I didn't. So I only had a couple hundred thousand dollars, mm-hmm. which is still a lot of money when you're 20 something, but like, yeah. you know, it's not enough to like live on the rest of your life. Um, I made a bunch of money at EA just salary wise, but my stock options were worth nothing. They were underwater the entire time. Thanks, right. John Riccatello. Um, but uh, so, you know, I had a few hundred thousand dollars, but I didn't have 
millions or yeah. enough to like, you know, I'm estimating that I'm going to need six or so to finish the game, right? Yeah. And so it sold 17,000 copies on spyparty.com, mm-hmm. which is another 200 and something thousand dollars, right? right? You know, because PayPal only takes 2.9% as opposed to 30%, so that's <laughs> kind of nice. Um, yeah. That's not the reason I did it. I did it because I'm a control freak. Yep. Well, there was no seam early access. I knew it was going to happen eventually. The like, Humble guys were starting. They had done a Humble, they had done humble bundles. Well, and they the, were, the, for you, the need to put it up Back then was just purely like you want play to play a better game. Well, it's right? just yeah, yeah. It's an esport. You yeah. got to have people playing your esport, like, right? So right. Ian and Paul can't. Yeah, that. yeah. Like yeah. So, no, no. Totally. And like, like I said, like it was like a week in, and before Ian and Paul were nobody. Yeah. Right. I mean, just couldn't even compete anymore. Yeah, like yeah. they passed me after a few months. You know, and it's like I'm not even like I'm on the leaderboard. But like, yeah. I mean, if you, if, if they, you, they go easy on me. Yeah. If you don't play. get beat at your own game. Oh yeah, yeah. No, not, that's a huge. Not made to beat yeah, yeah. Game. That is a totally truism. If you're making competitive multiplayer game and your players aren't kicking your ass, you're just doing something totally wrong. Because yeah. that means they don't care. Yeah. Um, so they are completely annihilating me. Um, I mean, I'm not in the same like it's like pro StarCraft versus not right. right. In fact, I was asking Pardo one time when I was like getting my ass handed to me online. I was like, how much do the StarCraft tuning designers play StarCraft? Mm-hmm. He's like. And how good are they? He's like, oh, you know, they're not platinum or what? What is, is diamond their top? I can't remember what it is, but like whatever, some yeah. the, the second like most famous gem. Mm-hmm. They're not plat. They're not diamond, but they're platinum. Yeah. So they're not pro, but they're like they're really pretty, good. Yeah. And they probably play four hours a day. I'm like, wow. I have a kid and I'm writing the entire <laughs> thing myself. Like that's impossible. Like I can't do that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't play my game enough, and yeah. it's not because I don't like it. I really still very much like it. In fact, this is something we didn't talk about, which is like the infinite endurance thing. For whatever mm. reason, I have an infinite. I have infinite endurance, which is. I would have worked on Spore longer. Like, you guys were all ready to kill yourselves because it was just, like, not coming together. You knew it wasn't going to come together. And I was just like, no, we got to save this game. <laughs> and so Spy Party is the same way. Like, people are like, how, how are you not insane? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I love working on it and I love yeah. playing it. Like, why would I stop? That's um, great. That's and it, the better it gets, it gets the better the more I yeah. work I mean, on if it's, it. If it's getting better and it works financially, like... Yeah, yeah, if I can make it work financially. So that's... So I'm kind of using the fact that I'm going to need money in a year... Uh-huh. As a like, this is what's going to push me off this diving board, yep. you know. And so I, every time I've needed to like, all right, I've got this totally. And I mentioned this to you before when I've talked about my fears and talked to you about your early access experience. But like, I've got this completely rational list of reasons not to do it. But the sum total is I'm just chicken. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the sum total is not that I shouldn't do it, even though each one of them makes sense and I could clearly argue it rhetorically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let me back up for one. Yeah, second. yeah, yeah, yeah totally. It's interesting. You, you, we went essentially from the night, the day it all came together. Yeah, yeah. And then the rest of the story has been about showing the game, getting people to buy the game, yeah. talking about early access. But you're also talking about a five-year development. Development. Yeah, I mean, like what happened? What you still? What did you learn about the game that was most oh, interesting? I mean, so like, because I know you've done stuff with like active reload. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got like, I mean, we could talk. We could have a week's conversation sure. for like, because there's like a ton of game design stuff that's happened in there and programming stuff and stuff. I mean, so so, right. so some of it's just typing, right? Yeah. Like you're making a game. Like so, we decided early on that. I mean, I got this proceduralism thing out of my system on Spore. Like, yeah. every animation is hand-keyframed mm-hmm. in yep. Spy Party. Every character is a custom skeleton. Yep. Like, no games do this, like, let alone indie games, right? Yep. Like, you know, you share skeletons, you share animations, you retarget. Like, we don't do any of that. Yep. Like, there's IK just so you can, like, pick up the glass if it's offset a little bit, but, like, mm-hmm. nothing. That's, there's no... I'll do footsteps once I put spore, once I put stairs in. Yeah. But there's no, like, you know, yep. um, proceduralism or trying to share animations or any of that. Everything is bespoke. Perfect. I, the, yeah. the image I use is like a perfect jewel you can hold in your hands. I think the thing that AAA indie games need to be 
for people is this, I mean, Braid's like that, mm. World of Goo's like that. It's just this perfect thing in your hand, you know? I mean, you might like, like Braid or World of Goo or whatever. That's fine. But you, there, there's no arguing that it's a really self-contained right. thing. Um, uh, and so it's just been years of making the game better, you know? Like, um, uh, I mean, I could go through a litany of of, of, of well, ways I've changed the game. High level, how... We're replacing all the art, obviously. So, sure. oh, we never told the story about... I mean, it was all Sims art, and then I was going to show it at the EGW that year, mm-hmm. and it was the year that everybody quit to do iPhone games, and so yep. EA freaked out about IP. Okay. Right? And so Rod Humble, who was a VP at the time, and a friend of mine, and also a side indie game developer, was like, you can't, you shouldn't... I mean... Yes, you literally have the right to show it because we have this thing for the Indie yep. Game Jam games, but I wouldn't if I were you. Yep. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? It's two weeks of the GDC. And so I replaced all the art mm-hmm. with the crappy characters. You know, I mean, yep. the Sims 1 characters are crappy, but they're not as crappy as even the characters that were in there yeah, and they're yep. still in there as the prototype art. And that's the thing. That's something I learned from Ocean on Spores. Like, if you're going to show something that's early, make sure it's, it's crappy. obviously yeah. early. Yeah. He would put a pink triangle in the middle of something or a purple, yeah. like, you know, some totally broken thing in any screenshots so that no one could go like, oh, yeah, this is almost done or whatever. Yeah, yeah no one mistook what they saw. No, the exactly. Well, but they didn't believe me because it was so long. Mm-hmm. So when we first released the new art, Mm. as the first five characters or whatever, people were like, holy cow, he wasn't kidding. <laughs> yeah. Like, we just thought this was, like, nonsense and it was just going to ship as the Sims guys, you know, or whatever, the yeah. Sims-like guys. But so, like, replacing all that takes forever. It takes him five... It takes him nine months per five characters. Yeah. Just do the math, right? There's sure. 23 characters. Yeah. Um, well, what have you what have you learned, of, like, during the last five years? What I mean, you... Well, so, okay. Learning game design. What yeah, have you, yeah. What have you learned? I mean, uh, so, I'm going to give you a concrete example okay. that I think is interesting um, that is one of, you know, we could, there's probably 30 of these, right? right? Um, but this one, I love this one because it's just, it, it it's it's non-intuitive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the game from the spy side is direct control. Mm-hmm. It feels like, you know, I mean, the, the analogy is like a third person behind the back camera, like, you know, Tomb Raider, right. you know, whatever. You, you drive your dude around, your spy, mm-hmm. and you click buttons to do it in verbs, right? right? And the verbs are context sensitive, so if you're standing next to the statue, it gives you this pick up the statue. And if you're holding the statue, you know, the A button is the normal action at any given time. That's what the the AI is, like, you know, conceptually go around press, pressing A. At the spy, also has the B button, so, like, swap the statues on B. So if you want to do yeah. a spy thing, you look where the laser is, and, like, you swing the camera around, and then push the B button, right? People are like, why isn't it click to move? Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, why is moving a thing? Why mm-hmm. is moving? So moving is is uh, uh, is a player skill. Yeah. Like you learn, you have to learn to move like the AIs. Why do that? Like the game's about behavior, right? I've talked all this stuff about behavior and people and all this and high, you know, subtlety and whatever. <clears throat> and the reason is, and I used to have it as click to move actually. Like I've I've yeah. had versions of it that had click to move and the one the. The one that Ian and Paul played? No, was, was, that was it. Was uh, already it was already uh, there was a click to move mode in that for mouse, but it was already WASD or okay. controller by that okay. point because I had so learned, you've experimented with the yeah, yeah 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 totally. Okay. The initial thing was click to move because duh that's what you do right yeah um, it's a Sims right <laughs> right <clears throat> did you release a click to move no, for, no, no, for no, testers no, ever no, no 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 okay you just uh, saw it didn't work. yeah 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 well no it worked fine well I but mean it, worked. But, was well, it so here well no it was fine but. It didn't have so there's this there's this thing in StarCraft in the fighting game community calls it a different thing, but micro versus macro, right? Yeah. Micro being click 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 click, and macro being like okay, now I'm going to storm the base and like move and flank him from the left or whatever, right? Um, and the cl- click to move removes micro, and I've talked all this stuff about human behavior and like this higher level stuff, mm-hmm. um, but 
I realized that games need a certain amount of micro, and what happens is by having it be direct control. Well, that's a it, to- that's a totally it, different thing. Now there's there is no micro, right? Zero if is it's totally move, different from any number. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes and no. There would always be some micro timing of when you're going to do the thing or sure. whatever. But like for the most part, that micro. Well, so push the stack for a second, Doug Church. A long time ago, I was talking about Thief. Mm. I was like, why is it not for third person? This is so fucking stupid. You can't tell if you're in shadow, so you need this dumbass shadow gem that looks stupid on the bottom of the screen. What the hell are you thinking? This is me telling Doug Church how to design games. (laughs) He's like, it's it's more immersive. And this is the looking glass philosophy. Like, it is just more immersive. You're more viscerally tied to what's going on if it's first person. So yeah, it means we need the dumb shadow gem, but it is just better. Yep. It's more looking glass for you to be first person. And I actually bought it. I was like, okay, that's a, that's a reasonable argument, right? Like, I mean, it's kind of the obvious thing, but like, I mean, the, you know, um, and in fact, there have been third person thieves, yeah. you know, and like, so, um, and so from this standpoint, like, they, they, you know, pop back out, like, uh, moving the spy around makes you the spy as opposed to you telling the spy what to do. Okay. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. And that micro of uh, of the micro of having to learn pathing as a player skill makes the game deeper. Mm-hmm. And so the way I think about it is as like salt on a meal. Like if you've ever had a nicely cooked meal that doesn't have, that doesn't have salt on it, like it's just fucked up. It like doesn't, it's not right. Yeah. Salt brings it together. Like any chef, you know, salt and fat. Like there's just a thing that happens there. And like you know, you read books about restaurants and stuff, and it's like they go really heavy on salt and fat, like because they know what's going on. There's so obviously you can have too much, but it people like it is so important to have that little bit of micro. And I, now StarCraft has way more micro than Spy Party, and I like it that way. Like I, I want to have a more macro heavy you know game, but. Yeah. That level of micro is super important. Same as aiming on the sniper sh- sniper side. The, there's no auto aim on the sniper. Mm-hmm. Now the spy, the, the characters move way slower than the sniper does. Right? So, it's funny. So, so there are there are games where someone identifies the spy and misses. misses. And you can't that's, shoot the wall. You can, only, you can only shoot other players oh. or other characters. So if you click and the target is yeah, open, it doesn't nothing fire. Happens. Right. You have to, but they light up like a Christmas tree when you're on somebody. Okay. So you know when that. And it's like but the feedback might is clear. Walk in front of the bullet. Yes, and if you know you're made, you might walk behind somebody. <laughs> so there's a character, there's a player named Slappy Davis, his handle, right? Uh-huh. And he's an elite level player, hundreds of hours in the game and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he does what, and because his name's Slappy Davis, he does, he dances, and they call it slap dancing because, so the end game is pretty complicated in Spy Party from a code standpoint because what happens is, um, so the four ending conditions are this. They are spy mission wins, mm-hmm. right? So, if you complete all your missions, a 10-second countdown timer pops up on the spy screen only, okay. and you have to live for those 10 seconds. Yep. That allows the last mission to not be free, yep. right? And so you can't swap the statues and just win. You have to live for 10 seconds. So it allows the sniper to react to the last mission, yep. right? Uh, spy mission, uh, spy uh, uh, timeout, mm-hmm. which is a sniper win, mm-hmm. right? Like the clock goes to zero and you didn't finish your missions, game over. Uh, sniper shoots a civilian or sniper shoots a spy, right? Those two are pretty obvious. Okay, what happens if the spy's in the 10-second countdown timer and the timer goes to zero? Right. What we decided to do is instead of the spy losing, because that sucks, you finished your missions. Wait, what? The spy is... You're in mission countdown. You complete your mission with five seconds left in the clock. Right. What happens? Well, you should be... Forget about the clock. Once you finish your missions, it should just be the 10 seconds. Right. Okay. But the sniper sees the clock go to zero. Oh, oh, okay. So they know at that point... So it goes into... OT. Right, okay. Now, but there's another phase. So OT 
the clock goes beep, 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 beep. Like you hear it because it beeps every it beeps every minute yeah. above thirty seconds and, and so every you second. Know the only time that you could have to shoot, happen. right? You have to shoot, but that still wasn't rich enough because do spies do do spies intentionally try to create that situation? Yes, no. They try and finish at 11 seconds. Okay, okay. So that the sniper's like, okay, it's going to go into OT if they finish. Oh, shit, I just lost with one second left. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, <laughs> but it gets even crazier because you can add time right. at the window. Now, normal adding time um, uh, just makes the time go up by 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. It used to be 30, but we tuned it, blah, 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 you know, whatever. It goes up by 45 seconds on both players' machines. So if the sniper's paying attention and you see it go up and you see it, you see it go bring, and like, you, know, you look at who was at the window and you can at least highlight people if you don't, can't even shoot them, you know? Right. Um, However, the thing you alluded to earlier, there's a, a, a thing we call action testing, which is basically similar to active reload from Gears of War. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch of writing online about this if you care about the really deeper stuff. Right. But basically, there's a Gears of War was more of a rhythm game because it was exactly the same uh, um, uh, hot zone on, the, on the, the slider thing every time. So you just mm-hmm. kind of got into this rhythm of reloading. Yeah. In Spy Party, it randomizes both the zone that's normal and the, the green. So we have red, white, and green, mm-hmm. right? White is the same as ignoring it, so you can ignore it and get the normal oh, okay. action. Um, red is bad, like you yeah. like you know you you drop the microfilm and have to look for it on the floor. You know, it's really bad. You cough when you're saying banana bread. <laughs> you know all kinds of just silly things yeah. like you fucked it up. You're more the red is Austin Powers. Yep. You know, <laughs> right? White white is a. Uh, 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 Melissa McCarthy from Spy, who actually turns out to be a pretty skilled spy, but is still not quite mm-hmm. green, which is James Bond, right? right, right. Um, so green is super subtle for all the things, right? Like you just like slip the microphone in the book and you're done. Like there's no head turn, there's no nothing. All the things that you look for, you know, you say banana bread without talking, right? You don't mm-hmm. do the talking animation, just all kinds of stuff like that. Um, for time ads, red beeps the clock even if it's not at a minute. Okay. So your beep. Wait, it's two, it's four oh three. What the fuck? Somebody just added time because you often don't notice the time ad, right? right? Like, I mean, you're you're snowed under. So red beeps. White is normal. It just adds forty five seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, green doesn't add the time on the sniper machine. It mm-hmm. dilates time on the sniper machine to make up the forty five seconds. So it slows the clock down by two oh, wow. x. Oh. So That's there's this. Mean. We so, actually have something like that really? in off world. Really? Yes. Yeah, so. I mean, it's maybe not the exact same, but there's this issue. We have a new, recently, in the last couple of months, there's a new black market item called the hologram. Okay. Which you put it on a building, and it basically, it tra- makes it look like a different building. Right. Awesome. Yeah. And so what it's usually used for is the off-world market is kind of like the most powerful building at the end of the game. It's yeah. the one that lets you ship goods off-world. And right, the reason right. that's important is because the off-world prices are fixed. Okay. Like, food is always $500. Right, right, right. So you know so you can get... So you know you can yeah, get yeah, money. yeah. So if, like, the prices crash on world... Yeah, yeah. You want to shoot the rocket. And so that's typically the, the ending of the game is, yeah. is the off-world market. So what, what in games with the hologram, what you want to do is you want to hologram your off-world market. But there's this problem of, like, well, what about the construction... Does it thing? launch the... the the rocket comes out of the off-world market, right? Yes, but you won't see it if it's hard. Okay, so it, so it, so it it's covers truly, up the rocket. Yeah, 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 and it's smart about, like, if it's next to a steel mill, it'll make it look like a steel mill because it makes sense to have them next to, to have each the, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but there's this issue of, like, okay, but... You, you actually want the hologram down before you construct the off-world market because you don't want to see it building the off-world market right. and then hide it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But here's the problem. Each of the constructions takes different periods of time. Right. Like a new steel mill might take 20 seconds yeah, to build. Yeah. An off-world market takes 60 seconds. Yep. So, like, you couldn't... If you hologram it and it turns it into a, a steel mill, you'd have it, like, build for 20 seconds and then just hang. Yeah. So instead... 
we're going to have it build slower. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so that percentage goes, you know, 2%, 4%, yep. 5%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, a, re- a really skilled player might notice right. that this steel mill is building right. slower than it should be yes, building. Yes, exactly. And so now, so uh, you have to be careful, though, because so now let me tell you a couple game design things we learned there, right? Sure. One, there's a thing called, there's a psychological phenomenon called chronostasis. Okay. If you look at a clock, uh-huh. it stops for, like, three seconds. Huh. Okay. So you can glance at a clock that has like a second hand or whatever, and it slows, it stops, and then it goes. Okay, That's just what you can just look does. it up. This is called chronostasis. That's what just your mind does. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Like I mean, you now that you think about it, look at a second hand on a clock, and you're like, Jesus. Right. <laughs> like yeah. okay, so so chronostasis is a thing. Um, uh, you can't dilate more than two x. Or it's a tell. Or you'll notice, yeah. Right? It's a worse tell than the other thing, right? In other words, you want it to be, they have to, look. what I want them to do... It's worse than the sound. Yes, right, exactly, because now you can easily tell it's slowed down. You want, if they glance, it's like inside the chronostasis dilation Mm -hmm. boundary. They have to, like... So, uh, you know how Nyquist works, right? Like, when you're sampling something, mm. you have to sample at two times the frequency to actually catch everything that it's doing, or else yeah. it'll alias. Yep. That's why wagon wheels go backwards on yeah. film and everything like that. So, you want you need to look at it for more than two seconds. So, you're watching elite streamers or whatever, and you see them go, one, one, thousand, two, one, okay, <laughs> right? Because you have to have a, a absolute time, because your mind will fuck with yeah. you. And so, you actually, I say it out loud. I mean, most of them say it out loud, yeah. you know? Um and so, so back to, so yeah, so anyway, so you, so if you can stack these, I don't know if it makes sense to stack in that case, but you can stack green time ads okay. in the game. It adds them onto the end, not, not dilates more than 2x. Right, or slower. It doesn't slow Whatever, it down more. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't dilate more. It dilates up to 2x, and it ramps in and out, because you'll notice it, uh, you'll notice it, um, you'll notice it start to dilate more. So it, it smooth steps into the dilation mm-hmm. from 1x to 2x yeah. and then smooth steps out. Right. So you really have to be like 1, 1,000, 2, one. nope, all right, it's dilated. So when when did it dilate? Who fucking knows? Because I didn't look over and see it start to dilate because you can't tell mm-hmm. as it ramps in. So that's a green time ad, right? But now think about endgame. Mm-hmm. Sniper machine is now moving slower than spy machine if you green time add within 45 seconds of the end of zero. Okay. So, you're on Spy Machine, there's 15 seconds left, you green time add, your clock goes to a minute, Mm -hmm. because it adds 45 seconds. Sniper Machine's 15. Right. 14. 14. Right. Oh, this is the other thing, is there's no uh, tenths clock on the thing. I used to have a tenth clock on the, I mean, tenths is just cool. Like, you you see tenths, but you'll notice notice it way more, so it's only seconds, right? So, um, uh... Uh, so like the spy countdown timer has tense because you want to see you're like sweating that countdown right but like here you can't have a tense mm-hmm. okay so anyway so now the spy countdown timer goes to zero because you can't make up by 2x dilating from four, 15 seconds you can't make up 45 yeah. seconds right so the spy the sniper goes to zero but it's not OT because the spy hasn't won yet yeah. they're just in green time ad yeah. so we have a third so there's it ends at zero yeah. we have OT which is a beep 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 and it says overtime right or we have what we call zero zero, where it just sits there, not making any sound and not flashing fast. It flashes medium at zero. If it's at zero, one of two things is going to happen. So if you're in zero zero, one of two things is going to happen. Either the spy is going to lose with a timeout, mm-hmm. or it's going to go into OT. Yeah. Right? Because 
if they finish their missions, you're at zero zero. It has to still force the ten second OT, yeah. or they have to mission. They have to time out. But you don't shoot during zero zero because right. one of those two things is going to happen. So you've got these three states. I can't remember why we started talking about this. Uh, oh, the micro, the dancing and stuff. So you know you're made in OT. Mm. Fucking run for it. Right. But most so of the time, to just make sure you don't get shot. Right. But most of the time, you don't know you're made. Yeah. You think you are. Like mm. when you're playing sniper, when you're playing spy, you're like, oh my god, I'm by far the top suspect. We've had elite players like. 500-hour players on stream, both dual streaming. Mm. People have, like, you know, multi-twitch up or whatever. One person's like, oh, man, I'm totally the top suspect here. i got to be really careful. And they're low-lit on the other stream. (laughs) Right? Like, they just have... It's so... You're so narcissistic in the way you think about, like, everything is, like, you know, aimed at you that you have almost no idea. So, like... um, So, in OT, do you play it cool or do you run for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the dancing is very ineffective, right? Like, you can be a better dancer or a less... So it's not enough that it unbalances the game or any way. But it's like, you know, maybe he might win 1 out of 10 or 1 out of 20 this way. And they're fucking hilarious, which is a good thing. Like, humor is actually not a bad thing to have in your silly... Wait, what, is, what does dancing mean? So it means, like, he will, like... You know where the sniper is because of the laser, right? Yeah. He will set himself up so that he's going to finish, but he knows he's going to, you know, he's, he bugs the ambassador, and then he is playing a short character and walks behind a tall character and then walks this way, this way, this way. Meanwhile, the sniper's trying to line up the shot yeah, yeah. through a conversation circle right. and, like, not shoot the wrong person. Wow. Um, so the sniper moves so much faster than the spy that it's almost never a tournament-ending thing, but it's right. pretty funny when it happens. It happen. And it is a player skill thing. Like, yeah, you got to yeah, be yeah. able to aim the gun and shoot it, yeah. right? It's... So now that that those three conditions that you laid out when it gets to zero, right, and the game doesn't end, like well, one of them is end. Oh well, sure, one of them is end, but then there's it's the end zero zero and OT, right. So especially the case where it's zero and it's not an OT, yeah, right. So that's that's an interesting one, yeah, because there's part of me as a designer would be afraid to do that, right, because it's just baffling. So that's the new, new state. New Wait, it only used to be OT, okay. And it used to, uh, well, what did it do? This was the subject of a big thread and a mm-hmm. really hard design thought, think, you know, and collaborative, like, okay, this is what I think the state should be. Because that's the one that's the most hardcore, that's the deepest, right. the one, I, I, as far as I know. I mean, if somebody's got a better idea and wants to email it to me, I'm glad to hear it. But yeah, it's not that accessible, but depth first accessibility later, yeah. man. Like, I, I mean, you could have some sort of like label that comes up to explain. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I'll right. tutorialize it yeah. and I'll do all that stuff. That's fine. But like in terms of expressiveness I, of I the think, mechanic, I think it's fine. Yeah, you figure out. Yeah, figure exactly. Out the accessibility. Yes, right? exactly. Like, and so, but be aware of that. Right, right, right now, I I do accessibility stuff now if it doesn't cost any depth. Yep. But I, not if it costs depth. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, so yeah, no, I mean, it, it really it 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 made. Uh, it made the end. I mean, you know, you just feel this. You feel a certain way about a design decision when you get it in there, and it like you're testing it even on your own machine. And it just felt tight. It was like, yeah. oh yeah, this is the right. Now there are things that I will not consider because I don't think there's a way I'm ever going to be able to communicate it to the user. Like what? Um, jeez, I'm not going to be able to think of something in this context, right, uh, or in this situation. Um, but I don't uh, think. I mean, you've got more design experience than I do, so I, maybe I just haven't run into one yet. But I don't think there. Because right be now one you're sounding like all you know a little bit religious. About yeah, that. I'm a and little like, bit religious. Like that's, I mean, I, mean I was, for sure that's like a good philosophy. I mean, so I, I'm curious. Like, like you've never hit. It's kind of like you've the never sport. hit the opposite side of that. No, not yet. But like, I mean, I'm a total noob too. So what do I know? Like, but like the spore thing was. It's totally like show me on the doll where 
they touched you. Like, I was so scarred by the spore <laughs> thing that I'm like, I am doing the 100 okay, fucking okay. 80 degree in, opposite in, thing. In Civ, uh, in Civ 4, the way you originally had religion was it was there's much more of a black box okay it was all of this like behind the hood calculations that okay. determined how religion spread like oh if you're connected on trade routes or if you're on the yeah, same, yeah, yeah, yeah. same coastline or you're connected by rivers right. or you have similar cultures or they used to be you know part of the same city or blah, right. blah, blah, all this stuff going on yep. and like players just didn't like right they just didn't connect with that yeah, and yeah. then she were like okay screw it we're just going to add missionaries into the game. You want to spread religion? You build a missionary. You take the missionary. You bring it to the city. You press a button. Religion spreads. Was the other one deeper? <sighs> I'm not sure, but it's like it's like to me, it's like a almost a different vector. There's yeah, no, like, I agree with that. Like, like player control. Yeah, is like what no, I'm thinking. About I'm here. totally down with that. Like, I don't know, and I don't know the answer to that question, the, whether it's deeper or not either. But like. Uh, I guess this is the I guess what I'm saying like these aren't the only two yes, vectors totally like, like to consider no 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 it's not a line yeah, yeah. and you pick on what no no I I agree with that completely um, uh, if I and you and the other thing is like design is just really complicated yeah. and you don't know what's going to happen like law of unintended consequences is just really in effect yeah. all the time yeah. and so but when I but when I think of a game mechanic I have to think of like okay what is the idealized way this is yeah, going to yeah, show yeah. up on the UI and there's probably just some stuff. That I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, like, maybe. You know? I mean, like, I, I, that may be true. I don't, I mean, I haven't run into that kind it, of thing I, yet. It maybe helps that you're, the, the game you're making has, like, a Twitch feel aspect to it. Like, where right. I'm going to have to spell out every rule. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you, uh, I mean, there's, like, my, the, the, so there's a mission in Spy Party that one of the spy missions is transfer microfilm. Mm. And it's a disaster mm. from a usability standpoint. Like, yeah. it's, it's. It's got two ways of doing it. You can accidentally get halfway through one way and fuck up the other way mm-hmm. and then have to go back. Like, it's just a disaster. Okay. And I, I'm guessing... So, yeah, those, those are kind of a good example from Swipe. Because the, the missions are like a high-level yes. game rule. Right, right, right. And they're not, ex- you know, they're not exposed except as the individual atomic verbs. Mm-hmm. So, like, for this mission, I'll just explain what the mission is for a second, and that way we can talk about it concretely. So there's bookshelves in the game, and there's a piece of microfilm in one of the bookshelves, and you have to move it to a dead drop in the other bookshelf mm-hmm. okay so now in reality because you're the spy you always pick up the right book so it's like you know there's a green bookshelf and a blue bookshelf and if you pick up a green book first it's in the green book and if you pick up a blue book first it's in the blue book so it's your, there's no like it's in the blue bookshelf go get it it's just like whichever book it's just in wherever you pick it up first you've got the microfilm right and you can even do stuff dumb stuff like you pick up a green book put it away go back to the blue bookshelf and now it's in the blue bookshelf it's yeah. not none of this shit makes sense when someone's like oh my god i don't understand how where the sniper is or whatever like i just send out this picture of james bond riding this gondola hovercraft through the streets of Venice that came mm-hmm. up off the... I was like, spy fiction has to make sense to a certain point, and right, beyond right. that, it just, just whatever, whatever, right? And this yeah. gets to that whole, like, it's not better if you zoom into the sieve thing, and the immersive fallacy. Like, it's just like, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. I the um, I also send out that picture of Inspector Gadget with the helicopter in his head. Like, that's what the spy looks like. Oh, I don't yeah. care, right? Like, the, spy, the sniper, rather. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... But, so you pick up a book... You can eat, do one of two things to get the book to the other, the microfilm that's inside the book to the other bookshelf. You can just take the book to the other bookshelf and put it away. Mm-hmm. The NPCs will never put the book away in the wrong bookshelf. Right. Okay? So there, behavioral tell, right? Yep. Um, or you can take the microfilm out of the book, hard tell, put the book away, walk over to the other bookshelf, take a book out, put the microfilm back in the book, another hard tell, yeah. and put the book away. Okay. That, if they don't notice the two hard tells, is something the NPCs do all the time. They go yeah. bookshelf to bookshelf or whatever, yeah. right? 
you can get the microphone out of the book. Let's say I pick up a green book, take the microphone out. So now I've got green microphone, which yeah. now needs to go in the blue bookcase. And now I keep the book because I'm a newbie. And I walk over to the blue bookcase. So now I've got a green book with the microphone out of it. I put the book away. Right. The microphone's now sitting in my pocket. And I got to pick up a blue book, stick the microphone. I mean, it's a disaster. Like trying yeah. to explain this to people at PAX is like a mess. And they've read the manual and they still have to. Have yeah. it. So that's yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, I mean, I mean but it's. Did, de- you, did you think about changing it? Or yeah, no, I, I, I'm guessing I'm going to change it, but I'm guessing. I'm a big, and let's see if you believe, if you agree with this. I'm a huge believer in wall clock, the importance of wall clock time to game design. Like, it just needs to simmer. I'll come up with something yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've, got, I've got issues with it. I, I, for some reason, my comparison is always like a good running back in the NFL is not the one who just charges ahead. Right. It's the one who's patient yeah. and, like, waits as long as he needs to for the offensive line to right, open up right. the hole. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes for it. And, yeah. like, it's like sometimes it's shit you need simmers that. It's like, and, like, if you don't find the answer, you right. just let it go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's tons. I mean, John gives examples all the time. Of like, oh, I just saw this huge part of the game in the shower, eight, you know, two years after I started figuring out that it was actually a problem. Like, it just, I mean, like in, in Offworld, I always wanted a like a a mode where the game, the map was revealed right at the beginning of the game. Right? So like, no fog of war, no fog of war. Like, yeah. right, the the standard mode is you you scan. Yeah, like, every yeah. few seconds you're able to scan, right. and eventually you have to make a choice. So like, do I found now or do I keep exploring? Right, because everyone else is doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. so on and so forth. But especially for high level competitive players. They they want a totally fit. They don't want the random chance of like I went and scanned in the wrong direction. Uh. They want the map to be revealed, and it's like, well, then that's complicated. How do we decide where you're going to found? Right? Like, does everyone mark their favorite spot, and then we do like a bidding process to decide who it is, or you do an auction to decide who gets to pick first? Right, right. And like, okay, that's fine in two player, but what an eight player game? Right. It's like a total mess, you yeah. know. And like, I knew that was a problem for like six months, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. There's a mechanic in the game called debt. Okay. Right. You have money. Yeah. And um, but what happens if you you your your headquarters also consumes food and oxygen and water? And okay. If you run out, you have to buy it from the market. Right. What if you don't have any cash to buy? Right. It? Okay. Um. And it, instead, it gets added to your debt. Right. Which you can pay off or not. Or not. Actually, right now, it always gets taken from your debt. We just let let you leave your cash because, uh, for whatever various reasons, it's it's there's ways the players can get around that issue. So it's like okay, we'll just we'll just let it go straight to debt. Right. So if you're not making your own food, it's kind of just have an account. Yeah, basically. Yeah, if yeah. you're not making your own life support, which is a choice. Yeah. Some people do, some people don't. It increases your debt. Right. If your debt gets too out of control, there's an interest rate. And like every day, like it gets higher and higher and higher, yeah. and that hits your stock price. So there are there is like the debt yeah, yeah, death yeah. spiral. If right, they get right. to like a D bond rating, mm-hmm. like they'll their stock price will like plummet, lay like down to a dollar, bang, they're yeah, out of yeah. the game. So right. it's like this this thing you gotta ride. Right. Okay, so that's just a mechanic I did for the sake of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This solved that reveal map problem. Hmm. Because what, what happens now is the game begins and the map is revealed, and it says like if you found now, you will get two hundred thousand dollars of debt. Right, huh. which is like you're gonna die. Okay, like, don't found now. Right, and then every second that number goes down. Okay, and eventually it will get to zero. Right. So the you're... question is, how much debt are you willing to take on? Right. to get the spot that you want. Right, and then so now two people are about to click on a spot and waiting. Right, and whoever plays chicken, it, it happens. All like I'll be hovering over a spot. Wait, wait, wait. Do you know? Like the exact spot, someone will right. drop it. Yeah, and like you know, they play chicken. And maybe they maybe they found it too soon because they took on too much debt. But, or but maybe you don't know, did. and you certainly. But then, then your game is like filled with that whole. I don't. I can't remember what the psychological thing is, but the like basically, there's a proof that like if you're ever in an auction winner, you lose. Yeah, the winner is cursed. Always, or it, you're just always paying too much yeah. in an auction. 
construction. Yeah, so your yeah. game is like totally designed you have to, you have around to that. It out. And it yeah. works. It works fine in two player, and it works fine in eight player. Right. Like that's the important part. And um, like it just. Do you have a fictional it, like what's what's the thematic thing? Because I find theme is inseparable from game design. Um. Even though I've got dorky shit like yeah. where's the sniper, it's like an auction, you know. Okay. Like, like it, you know, this is new territory. That's it's costing way up. more to explore it early than it is later, or something. Well, it's, it's like um, we're opening up this new terrain for you know governments do this, right? Yeah, like yeah. they're like we have we're gonna have a land. That's yeah, so what I'm saying. Like a cellular phone network, I gotta buy like yeah, frequency yeah, yeah. from it, and it's more expensive or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, it's 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 something like that. Right. Um, Wave my hands. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just doesn't fit in the theme. I think yeah. is important. But but the point is, like, I knew that there was this problem, yeah. and I could have come up with a really awkward solution. So I knew just that problem, one, but you got this whole other thing. The, yeah, yeah. And so once once I saw that dead thing, it just like it was literally like one. It it clicked like this like Saturday morning right. once, and it was so itchy. Like my wife noticed that like. Like something was bothering me. Yeah, and she's yeah. Like what song? I was like, well, I I think I finally solved the reveal map mode. And right. She's like, and it's like, oh okay. And like, um, and I can explain it to her. And and it's like, you know, I still like, I was just like, she's like, look, go, just yeah, just, just do it. <laughs> I know you're gonna want to play with a Monday. Yeah. Just just write the code, check it in, and you can test it out right away. Because like, I just I just yeah. knew like that's awesome. Okay, yeah, I mean, I think that the I think that uh, I think that I mean. So that that wall clock aspect thing is super important mm. for making a deep game, I yeah. think. And so, uh, and that feeling of oh, right, that's what the answer to that is, yeah. you know, um, uh, uh, is super important. And those both also relate to another thing, which I, uh, we could discuss, which is that listening to the game thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought, I mean, so Go is my favorite game, the board game Go, mm-hmm. the Asian board game. It's beautiful. It's I mean, it's just it's, crystal, sure. it's crystalline. And Mock, you know, Mark LeBlanc has his like saying about like when the aliens land finally and we be, learn to communicate with them, and then we describe Go, they'll be like, "Yeah, we have that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. It's just like the Ur game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I mean, I suck at Go. Let's be clear. <laughs> like, let no one who's listening think that I'm like, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, I thought I was trying to. Des- I mean, so Go is my favorite game. So of course, you want to make your favorite game. Right, mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, I'm gonna make this behavioral game, but like with the crystalline clarity of Go and whatever. So there's another game, and Frank Lance gave a talk about these two games because there's such interesting contrast. But Texas Hold'em Poker is a beautiful game that's basically the polar opposite of Go, where Go is crystalline and full knowledge and uh, and just so clean. Texas Hold'em Poker is dirty, and you know, is it plus or minus expected value? Mm. And like, I played exactly right and lost. Like, what the fuck? And like, all of these things. And it turned out, like, I mean, uh, I'm not saying my game is as good as Go or Poker, but like, it turned out I was making poker. I just yeah. didn't know it. Mm. And embracing that was a huge thing for me. Like there was a little bit of mourning. Like, oh wow, my game is not actually Go. It's actually mm-hmm. poker. Like there's bluffing and random numbers, yeah. and you get fucked at the beginning with that's a bad kind of, hand. That sounds awesome to me. I yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, no, it's just, but it's like I had this, and, and I'm a preconceived notion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and, and with listening to the game and going, like, no, the game wants to be poker. Right. You know what I mean? Like it wants to have plus EV and nice EV and like bad hands that you have to ride out and all of this stuff, right? Like, um, and so listening to the game and doing that, like what. You know what is consonant with the way the game works is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also listening to how games 
are in culture and with gamers and mm-hmm. and and you know what what people are willing to put up with. So, so for example, the first idea everybody comes up with when they hear about Spy Party is like, oh, all the players, all the characters should be different, mm-hmm. like different behavior and different whatever, right? I mean, ignoring the production aspect of that, so that's obvious. Like it's Miss, you know, it's it's Miss Scarlet. She should be able to like whatever, and mm-hmm. it's spy movie, right? Like right. you know, the general should drink too much and chase skirts, like all of this stuff, right? And. Uh, and I, so I had that idea too in the yeah. early meetings, you know, and I was like, oh, it's just way too complicated. Oh, yeah. Like the game is so overwhelming already. Like that the, means idea, the player has to perform all of those roles. Right. right. The player has to play that, that, that character. And but I could totally see how you would imagine that as a cool thing. Right. Oh, it's totally cool. Right. It's just like, there's no way. Right. Yeah. It's and then awesome anecdote, yeah. which a lot of designers like, yeah. they, it, well, but how except for, like, how'd you let go of that anecdote? But here's, because, like, I'm not like lol and Dota then came out. Yeah. There is no ceiling to complexity mm. that people are willing as long as you have an entry to it. And in fact, there's a benefit to it. Mm. So I realized I'm going to do this. I call it dossiers okay. for obvious reasons, but like, I'm going to do it. Um, and I'm going to go hard on it. Like I'm going to make like three characteristics per person. And like, even like John had the idea of, um, so there's another, there's three mechanics that are going to go in. that are going to take the game. I think from a 500 hour game to a thousand hour game. And I can explain what I mean by that after this, if you want to go deeper on that. But, um, uh, well, I'll explain it now. Like, my players, the, the the top players in Spy Party are over 500 hours, but it's clear that they're like... So first off, an indie multiplayer game that has players who have 500 hours in the game is like, that's awesome. I should be super proud of myself, and I am, and I'm really loving the game and everything. That's amazing. But Counter-Strike and Dota and Hearthstone, those are 1,000-hour games, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, And so you can tell the players who are at the 500-hour mark are still having fun playing the game and learning a little bit, but it's just, it's definitely like plateaued a little bit for them. So I'm going to put three mechanics in. This is when I realized law and Dota, like just opened up the complexity field. So I should just embrace some of this stuff. Dossiers, which I just described different characteristics per character. Um, so the nice thing about that is that, uh, if you're a newbie spy, you don't know that the general always accepts drinks, but if you're playing a newbie sniper, they don't know it either. Mm Mm-hmm. So it ramps perfectly. Mm-hmm. The first time you shoot the general for not accepting a drink, you're going to feel like a million dollars, right? Because you're like, I read the dossier. And the other game, totally non-intuitive game, that uh, um, that that affected this decision is Papers, Please. You know what? It's actually fun to look stuff up in a book under time pressure. <laughs> like, who would have thought? Like, that's right, crazy, yeah. right? Um so, you know, you'll have the actual dossier there that you can like, oh, shit, what, what is that? You know, but now you're not watching the party. So you have this, I mean, attention as a resource is a huge part of the sniper game. Right. And so like, oh, do I look this up or not? You know, right. um, so dossiers, recommendations. This is actually a player suggested idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I get some of the best ideas from the forums, right? right. Uh, you can go in, so I can go into a conversation and uh, um, say, yeah, man, the statues of this party are really cool. You should check them out. Mm. And that'll increase the likelihood that everybody at the thing, everybody in that conversation goes to the statues after that. So you can flood the statues with people, mm-hmm. which if someone's counting people going there for inspects, inspects statue being a mission, right. you're starting to like really get a lot of highlights in the party. And so you can go do something else at the time. But now it's like, oh, everybody in that central conversation is now at the statues. And like, where's the other? I, I remember the guy with the blue suit not being there. Where is he now? You know, like right. whatever. Um, and then interrogation, which is this other crazy thing where the, the sniper can tell the security guard to go interrogate one of the people, take them aside, ask them questions from the dossier. Mm. But I want to even do crosstalk between them 
like so cross there's already crosstalk as recommendations like why is that character at statues they don't like statues mm-hmm. right so there's that but also how influential my john had the idea of like of course one of the characteristics should be how influenceable by recommendations are you Right, so this character never takes recommendations, mm-hmm. or does the opposite, or whatever. So you can totally imagine this like whoa, crazy like amount of like feedback. So you assigned a random character when you were the spy? No, you pick. Well, that's pretty huge then. Well, right? so you pick if, if the characters all have these different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty huge, but it's ignorable by newbies. Right, but doesn't that? I would assume then like the high level spy. Well, I guess obviously the high level spies are always pick the same character. But if they're being randomly matched, no, they don't pick the. Ra- I mean, they, you can't pick the same character because you'll get shot. Why? Because I mean, if you're playing the same spy, oh, if well, you play matches. Just, matches are spy the snipers. Same sniper over and over. Matches, again. matches right now are sliced the other way. So two people decide to play a match and uh-huh. they alternate spy sniper, spy sniper. How many times? I mean, as long as they want. Is that how you think it's going to work? I mean, that's how it, that's how people like to play right now. Okay. They'll play thirty games, which is like an hour and a half or something like that, or okay. whatever. You know, I expect to do a kind of Left for Dead style structure of like, uh, you know, like a little bit of an arc. Like we'll go through these four maps, and they'll be like, you know, increasing difficulty or yeah. increasing whatever. And you'll show what has been going on in their match so far. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, and show a picture of the the different characters they chose. Yeah, yeah, or exactly. Or yeah, yeah. So you get the replay. You come out of the game in the replay, and you're just like, sure. okay, what happened? Oh, I see how they. Did well, this not thing. just that. I mean, I assume that like. If you're on the eighth match with a player, right. like you'll want to show like a history. Well, uh, that's that, that's tuning, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you make them write that down, or do you like? It's not clear what the right answer there is. Oh, I think you put that. That should be an in-game. I don't know. It's like for example, like we used to have this. We have this. So you know, on the sniper side, we have highlights and lowlights, right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there used to be two levels of highlight and two levels of lowlight. Yeah. So there's neutral, which everybody starts out at, as and then you know dark and then really dark mm. and low lights are just these are just bookmarking things for our bookkeeping things for the sniper right so they don't have any gameplay except for the fact that allow you to keep track of what's going on so suspects not suspects yep. whatever so there were five states for mm. any given character could be in people yep. started using them as counters for how many times they went to statues yep, and books sure. right because you just low light everybody yep. and then or you count down and rap or you know something that whatever the the thing is and it was fucking up the game yeah um, it was like too much deductivity. Yeah. Uh, in fact, so at the depth jam, that mm-hmm. thing we did as a response to game jams, there's mm-hmm. me and me, John Blow, uh, Mark Tenbosch from Mega Curry, and and uh, and uh, Daniel, Daniel Benbergi, who's mm-hmm. doing uh, what at the time was doing storyteller, and now is doing Ernesto as a little quote unquote side project that's taken two years. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, I decided to test. I was going to nerf that to one level each above mm-hmm. and below. So there's just highlight and low light, yeah. not two. And so the first thing I did as the prototype for the for us to play at the Death Jam was I just put counters over people's heads. How many times have you been to the bookshelf? How many times have you been to the uh, um, statues? And just shoot the person with the highest counters. Right. And it was almost always a spy. Sure. Like, because it's just hard to, like, you know, not yeah. draw heat when you are got to do stuff, right? Yeah. And so... Um, so I realized, I mean, this doesn't stop anybody from keeping a piece of paper there yeah. uh, or a trainer or something like that. Let's ignore cheating for a second, but just mm-hmm. like, you know, or if they've got a really good memory. Mm-hmm. But part of this thing is about the memory, your memory being flawed and your, and it just turns out to be true all the time, yeah. like and assumptions and biases and stuff like that. And attention is a resource. And when I nerfed it, it just made the game way better immediately. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, well, I, I believe that because you're... You're putting the, the illness on the player. Exactly. So cognitive load is a huge yeah. thing. Well, and let so, me be clear what I'm saying. Okay. What I'm saying is... I play a game. Well, I'm, yeah, yeah. A, I'm the spy. We're eight games into a match. We're eight games into the match. Between the matches. Yeah. Before the match ends, it simply shows 
this is what happened. Maybe. Here's match one, here's match two, here's match three. Yeah, but which character four. you are is a lot. I mean, the win-loss is there. Yeah. Should you be able to see which missions you got done? Which order they were? I mean, like, who knows well, how much? I mean, the reason I would put the pair character there yeah. is that means by the time you get the 8th or ninth match, each time you pick a character, you feel... Pre- because I just, I'm assuming that people have these characters they're more right. comfortable with. Yeah. So now, like, they have to get to that level of... Right. Uh, do I do it to one of my secondary characters, or do I go back to the right. well? Well, so 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 this you're, you're, so it's interesting that you're bringing this up because this is kind of related to this like this. So the way Dodo and Law work and whatever, yeah, it's a bit like picking. It's, it's, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's pick man thing, um, but there's no downside to picking the same character every time or fighting games the same way. There's no downside except for predictability. Mm-hmm. Here you're dead if yeah. you pick which yeah. character you are, which is kind of cool. Well, so. it's kind of cool, but it means that you're probably not going to have a favorite character. Is my guess. Now, maybe I'm totally wrong. I think you will. I mean, I'll be. I, mean, I don't know. How right d- now, there's nothing. There's I all those very minor. Different they are. Like, right now, right now, because everything's custom skeletons now. Mm-hmm. This is not true of the old characters. Actually, that's not true. It was, but it's more extreme now. They all walk at different speeds. Yeah. So I was like, oh, is this a bug? Or is this like, okay. No, this is going more towards the dossiers things once I embrace that. So, um, oh, okay. And then the coolest shit started happening. So the woman with the white hair, the like good-looking old lady, yeah. with the, 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 um, uh, she's the slowest person just because that's how John made her because she's got this really tight, like, you know, uh, long gown on. And so she can't move her legs that much. And so she moves slow. Yeah. So... What a drag to be her, right? Because you can't get where you're going. Except when you're bugging the ambassador in the walking bug mode mm-hmm. of that thing, the timing of the animation is tuned such that you actually have to bleed off some speed normally. Mm-hmm. Like you have to curve around so the ambassador or she's something. She's going the right speed to begin with. She can just bug right as she walks by. Right, right. Okay. So that was totally random emergence, yeah. right? And so like stuff like that's awesome. So maybe right. people will. I don't know. Like I mean, I... I... The more different you make them, the more, the more likely that there's going yeah. to be, well, like, be not great. just like personal favorites, but community accepted yeah, yeah. favorites. But right. then the way my, to balance that is this this idea. Of, well, like, but my, my the, the spy party already balances that, which is like the cane guy, the guy with the cane who looks like Morgan Freeman. Like mm-hmm. his cane side bug animation, just due to the way John made it, is like really hard to see. And so it's a free bug, well, which makes him suspicious on that side, which makes you not pick him, which makes you then want to pick him, which yeah, makes you not I mean, pick him. There's meta. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, you're probably all right as it is just because people will it's know. It's auto-balancing. Like, these are the characters that people think are the easiest, so blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just think this would be I just think this would be cool. Like, yeah, no, I think so, too. Like, yeah, once no, you I'm get deeper about, Yeah, yeah, no, I think that, that, that... So I want to really start teasing him apart. And then if I ha- if if making that makes it deeper, I will totally do that. I'm like not opposed to doing that at all. It just reminded me of the like, how much of that bookkeeping do you want to be like? Yeah. You know, some people right now play with a piece of paper beside them and be like, this person's done this. Yeah. Well, and see, that would be a real that would be actually a, an easy thing for someone to do with a piece of paper right. if it was important. Right. And so in that situation, you might as well give them that info. Right. Like I wouldn't necessarily allow them to like grab it during the match or whatever. Right. But yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, maybe the um, the, uh, the the replay system that I put in, which mm. is totally crazy, you know, for an indie game, crazy yeah. replay system. Now that spectation is in, it's recording all games. Like right now, yeah. it's all. And soon I'll expose this, and some players are like, I need to make sure some of my replays aren't visible because I'm practicing <laughs> a move I want to yeah. use in a tournament. And now it's like, oh Jesus! So now I got to have flat, like secure, like like ACLs on the replays for like whether this is downloadable now or not, or yeah. what? it's like, yeah, they will use it. So so anyway, the dossier thing is super. I mean, I want to go hard on that and see what happens. So that's yeah. the last. Do players have like a win loss record that you maintain for them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you mouse um, over I, someone's name and it shows you their. Yes, although uh, I took a lot of advice from early 
best practices with matchmaking mm-hmm. and that kind of thing where when you go into the lobby, it only displays numbers that go up. So it only shows your spy wins and your sniper sure. wins, which right now mostly correlate with your skill level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've got 3,000 sniper wins and 3,000 spy wins, you're a fucking badass player, right? right? Um, and if you're zero zero, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, eventually, once we're wider, there will be people who are talented at the game. So there'll be someone with 300 spy wins who's better than someone with 2,000 spy wins sure. just because they're awesome at the freaking game. But that has not happened. It's very much more linear with with game time yeah. right now. Um, so right now I just display spy wins and sniper wins because it was the most... It was the least controversial thing I could display. Like, win-loss ratio you don't want to display ever. I mean, you can actually compute it from mouse over information mm. right now. Um, I'm currently not doing any kind of... Uh, uh, um, skill-based ranking, you know, algorithm like Elo yeah. or anything like that. I have all the data to run it on the history of games. You know, the five hundred thousand whatever games that have been played. So I can compute it when I want to. I want to use this one that was recommended to me by the True Skill people, because mm-hmm. um, you know, Glico and Elo are totally out of date in terms mm-hmm. of mathematically these days, especially for real-time update games and games that have teams and stuff like that. So I found this one that they recommended, and they said it's good and it's not patented. Like it, it, True Skill is all patented out the ass, mm-hmm. so you can't use any no. of that stuff. So, um, but this is better anyway, so it's faster and doesn't use a, a certain solvers and whatever. So I want to try that, but like, unless I get a ton of players, I don't know if you've read Juice Van Dongen's articles. He's the right. awesome knots guy. Like you need, but they computed, and so Awesome Nuts is a team game, but you are too sometimes. You can can be a team game, yeah. Awesome Nuts is what three or four v four, three three v three, something like that. Probably, yeah. They need they computed they need around a thousand simultaneous players, which is a shitload yeah. of players for an indie game to get. Yeah, yeah, matchmaking. I mean, it's kind of like like we, we there is matchmaking because we're using uh, Stardock system, but yeah. like. Yeah, like right now, maybe there's three or four people looking. Yeah, yeah. No, I, so I mean, with Spy Party, it's yeah. 1v1. You go into the lobby, and you ask somebody you want to play, and you yeah. say yes, and you click on their name. Like, that's yeah. how it is. And then below that, because, like, you want to spectate this game? So if you go into the lobby, and there are two people already playing, you can at least spectate them. Yeah. Well, my point is, like, once you show wins, and I guess if you don't show losses, like, maybe that's that's the solution. Like, once you show a record, then people feel differently about mm-hmm. the game. Or do you have unranked play? Like, so I, I don't have any of that yet. So yeah. they want that yeah, eventually, that, but they they don't want it so bad. I mean, right now with a small, really tight, you know, intimate community, it's not that big a deal. But certainly for practicing things, they want unranked and whatever. Yeah. And so I just don't have the. I don't. I just didn't want to bite it off yet. Like yeah. I, we'll see what happens when I go on Steam. If like. Um, uh, I have since there's no yeah it's like there's no ranked unranked because the, the leaderboard is right now number of games mm-hmm. like it's not skill um, so you if you put the time in you will get on the leaderboard yeah, which yeah. is actually kind of nice for a small sure. game like it's kind of interesting it worked out pretty well actually um, like a guy posted in the forums the other day he's like I'm finally on the leaderboard you know he crawled up into the top hundred you know because he you know in terms of games played yeah. Um, and so that's kind of cool because you don't have to like be reminded that you're putting time into a game you're not that great at if you happen to you know if you're willing to like and it does still correlate I'm sure if you graphed win loss ratio it's hard to even graph win loss ratio because there's so many game modes and yeah. so many maps right. uh, and so many you know game types meaning like you know I was playing known you know five of you know or any three five of eight missions on this map and then we played this other thing and I'm going to add more because I'm going to let you allow the players to adjust the number of player guests at a party. Because it's just another variable. Um, it's hard to even know what you run the algorithm, the uh, the skill-based ranking algorithm against because there's no ground truth of what's balanced yet. Yeah. You know, they've got the accepted meta, which changes over time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so just number of wins is like turned out to be like simple and effective so far. We'll see. Yeah. 
like you said, you don't even put the leaderboards. You just manually calculate the leaderboards. Yeah, like, I just yeah. manually pub- manually publish them every just to, week. So there's no griefing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, it's just it's enough for the hardcore. Yeah, I mean, Juiced published another article just last week, basically saying like how to do matchmaking if you don't have a lot of players because he realized that like a thousand players is a lot for anybody to have and yeah, just say like different things about <laughs> matchmaking for the rest of us yeah 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 I mean a thousand is is yeah yeah I mean like with Dota and LOL and things like that you've got a hundred thousand people online you can spend a second yeah. you know, I mean like, we're, we're thinking more in terms of like you know with our next update like if there's someone who is looking for a match we want to like flag that even if you're yes. not in the, what I'm like, thinking about maybe, doing is making know. rooms mm-hmm. for looking for a match right willing to mentor Mm. advanced players only so that yeah. you know what will happen is a newbie will click on a like a you know four digit player and it's like sometimes that person's like I'll mentor you and sometimes like yeah I'm not in the mood to mentor right now which is cool I'd love it that they do mentor at all like that's huge yeah. that's, that does not happen in Counter-Strike <laughs> but uh, but I don't, I don't want them to feel like they have to all the sure. time right so like willing to mentor that means now if there's nobody in that room I think an a elite player will go on and like ah I should you know give back or whatever that's cool um and then I have these replay set things now, these curated replay sets where now you can play Sniper against replays. And now that I'm gathering games, I've had the players go like, all right, give me a set of 10 replays. It'll say who it's curated by that have a theme. Like, I always bug in these 10 games. Bug the ambassador. So now just camp the ambassador. You can find the spy if you're willing to camp the ambassador, right? Um, uh, rushes. These are all rushes. Like, you better shoot quick, you know, because I'm going to be done fast. Yeah. Or all of these games uh, are done in the last 15 seconds. So there will be, you know, it's going to be in countdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Wow, that's a lot to talk about. <laughs> a lot to talk about with my party. Still more, but yes, maybe we wrap it for now. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, well, thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's been a good, good, good talk. Uh, I mean, one thing I do often finish up with is asking, you know, kind of like, why? Why is this that you make games? You know, like, why is this what you wanted to do? You know, with your I mean, career. I think that like there's the unanswerable parts of that that are just the feeling things, and then there's yeah. the kind of rationalization, which probably in that psych- way that psychology data shows that like no one actually knows why they do anything. <laughs> so like, why are we bothering? <laughs> we <did>. but... <laughs> Very Chris, we undermine the question. Yeah, exactly. But uh, um, but the rationalization part of it, the part that I tell myself is, I mean, like there's the there's the kind of like adolescent, like it is the coolest thing to do with a computer. Mm-hmm. Like that's cool. Um, it's just really sad and programming is just awesome i recommend i mean we were talking just last night about like just learning to program is such an empowering thing like any kind of programming and creating and design i mean you know you want to be creating things not consuming things to the extent that you can and like programming is like that art is like that like do stuff make stuff and it's just great and games are really interesting um and amazing that way um it's also there's like a little bit of a like uh like it's not that often that I mean, how often do new art forms come around? Like once mm. every five hundred years, like overall history. Like we've had a Pretty few much. lately. I mean, it's very seldom, right? Yeah. Um, and we're at the beginning of a new art form. So, mm. like, I mean, we you know, film and comics happened last century. So that was like two in the same hundred year period, which is crazy compared to like written word and like you know, uh, you know, theater and, and visual arts and whatever. But games are happening now, and like you know, somebody. Uh, is going to make, you know, the birth of a nation and somebody's going to figure out how to move the camera to make a film analogy and somebody there's all this stuff it's just a very fertile ground to be explored right now and there's, you know, there's the we just don't know anything yet really like i mean i the question i ask myself and others is do you think games in 50 or 100 years will look like will be like and i'm not going to define that rigidly cuz it's just not worth it i don't have one will be like games today. 
And like, so the answer I think is no. Um, there will be some similarities, but like, if you look at game, if you look at film in 1889, it was Fred Ott's sneeze. And you look at that compared to Casablanca 50 years later or whatever, and you look at that compared to, you know, like Memento or whatever your favorite movie from recently, some David Lynch film or, or, or whatever, you know, Terms of Endearment, I don't care what it is. Like, there's very little resemblance besides the sequence of moving images playing back fast enough that you see animation and sound, you know, like, and so the core is there, but like, man, they made a lot of prog- progress, right? Mm. Um, you know, you read Gilgamesh and then you read a modern like book by Marilyn Robinson or whatever. And you're like, woo, they, I mean, sure. That was 20,000 years or no, 20,000 years from Gilgamesh or like 5,000 years or whatever. But that's, I mean, they've made a lot of progress, you know, and like, we're going to have the same thing. Uh, and that's really exciting to be in at the early days of that. Mm-hmm. So that's a kind of like, it's a little too intellectual because like, it's, you know, there's, it's just awesome. Cool. Yeah. You know, um, uh, but um, those are kind of two sides of that. Like, I mean, I'm just super proud of how Spy Party's coming out because I've been talking shit about how games need to be mm. for so long, and I've somehow magically lucked into a game that's like cashing the checks that my mouth wrote over the past 20 <laughs> years. I'm like, games need to be more about people and behavior and like, you know, embrace the like, you know, interactivity of the medium and like expressivity, and I'm, like, I'm making a game that is like exactly what I've been talking about. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that happened because it certainly wasn't because I'm a fucking super genius. It was just like, wow, this has just kind of come together really well. So, I'm, I mean, uh, let's, I hope I don't get hit by a bus right after this interview for saying this out <laughs> loud, but it's just like going so well. I mean, there's struggles. I mean, it is very hard. I have huge productivity problems. Like, I, I find every indie, you know, Matt uh, Gilgenbach gave his talk about his OCD issues mm-hmm. and like trying to get uh, um, his game and how hard it was for yeah. doing uh, uh, the uh, PS3 game he did and everything. Um, everybody I know has different personality issues because they're humans, right? So mine is productivity. Like I have huge ADD problems and productivity is a problem. And um, so there's not, it's not that there's not struggles and I'm running out of money and I need, you know, like whatever, it's whatever. Um, I've got a daughter who's about to be a teenager. Who knows what that's going to do to my life, but, but it's just going so well. Like it's, it's like from a deep satisfaction standpoint, like it's turning out exactly how, I want it to, even though it's different than what I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. slightly, but it's still in that, it's still the same flavor. It's still like, you know, it's better than I thought it would be. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's cool. I mean, I've for sure, like you're working on a game that, you know, the, an area that hasn't been, yeah, it's like explored. Just... I mean, it reminds me, I, I was, you know, I interviewed Clint yesterday yeah, and he was talking about all the, you know, craziness involved with the first splinter cell right and it, you know it, we and we were talking about how like but i mean how crazy it was that like they were this was like the first third person game to do all these things yeah, like, yeah. of course it was hard because right. no one had done this before yeah, right yeah. and like how amazing it is to be part of that yeah moment right no and, like incredible. and that was his first job right yeah yeah you know, totally. like that's amazing, and that's that's what can happen in video games now. Yep, right. It's awesome. I mean, it's still happening. I mean, you know, indie apocalypse and all these things, and like how hard it is compared to a couple of years ago. It's still the best time. It's still amazing. Like mm-hmm. you know, you can learn to program by yourself online. You can you know learn to design. You can try all these things, these ideas. Like there's a market for these things. Like yeah. it's just a great time to be in games. Yep, for yeah. sure. All right. Well, that's. Good, That's a good note. Good to end positive on. note to end on. <laughs> well, thank you so much. All right, cool. Yeah, this is great. Yeah.